Hi guys, welcome to the Church Split. My name is Will. We got Mr. Brian with us today, you know, our, our random guests at times. And then we also have Alternate Media with us. Uh, you guys have seen some of our interactions in the past, some good friends of ours. So guys, go ahead and set, introduce yourselves. Well, it's great to be here, everyone. We are Alternate Media. I'm Brad. I'm Seamus. And Tip. Shalomi, my homies. <laughs> <laughs> Shalom. I'll never, I can't, I can't do this. You didn't know I was going to do that, so it was totally unprepared. <laughs> yeah, well done. <laughs> oh, so today, many of you guys might not, might know this already. We've had some interactions. Brad's been on for a debate. We're going to have him on for an interview as well. We've had Seamus on for an interview. Uh, for those who don't know in my audience, they are, uh, I don't know, Jew, Jews, but, but believe Christ was the Messiah. Jewish Christians, people call you. There's all sorts of ways that people flip-flop that. We're not going to get into the semantics on all this right now. Bottom line is, they believe Jesus is Messiah, and they're Jewish. Uh, and many of you guys might know, I, I am considered a fundamental, I guess, evangelical, but uh, we have built a good friendship. And there's a thing that bothers us that we have talked about doing this video for a while, which is progressive Christianity. And we're going to jump into this. Guys, just so you know, this is an informal video. This is just friends sitting down, chatting, discussing something that we're all passionate about. And so this is going to have a lot of weaves and movement. We're just gonna and, have fun. It's going to have a good time. So we're just going to talk about it for a little while. Yeah. So uh, a blasty blast, right? So anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I now steal I jokes. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I know you guys have done a lot of research on this. I've had some interactions with God is Gray on this whole thing uh, and quite a few others. And God is Gray was my first like full-on exposure. Like I always heard about it. She was my first full-on exposure to this. And I was like, what is happening? And we're seeing it completely now in our culture. Even Christians who would be considered very biblical fundamentalists are now completely being washed away in this progressive Christianity in many ways, especially the ideals that are behind it. So what are some things that comes up to you guys' minds when we're thinking of progressive Christianity? Yeah, you said bending the knee weird. It washed away. <laughs> so, I guess one of the things that I've really noticed since I've been doing a little bit of research on it is, first of all, it's very popular on the left coast. You know, California, that whole side of the country. Uh, additionally, though, so many in the leadership uh, looked at several different websites and several different organizations that fall under the blanket of progressive Christianity. And so much of the leadership all have a background in like high church, you know, your Presbyterians, your Episcopalians, Anglicans, hmm. not not very many Catholics, but certainly no Baptists either. <laughs> I noticed that as well. There was a lot of the, like, the Presbyterian Methodist types, and, I, I, and that seems to be kind of a general overall issue with their side. Um, and I'm not sure, why do you guys think that is? Why do you think that we see like Presbyterians and Methodists and uh, Anglicans falling into this and not so much people like the Roman Catholic Church or the Baptists or even Reformed? I guess the Reformed are pretty, pretty solid at sticking to what they believe. The Calvinist pigs. I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> I've killed myself out of my channel. <laughs> I'm just I'm just messing with them though. Um, on a kidding. Level, I would I would actually probably say it's just inherent in the foundation of these uh, of of these respective denominations. Uh, yeah. You know, they were built on on re on reform. Yeah, uh, shoving off Catholic authority. Well, not even or uh, any authority. Even a Catholic authority. Um, I would say, in my personal experience, it's the it's the obsession with getting rid of anything traditional. 
And mm. once you continue to uh, to question the traditions and throwing them out, becoming a more individualist mindset, you try to make the modern world fit into a biblical into a biblical um, interpretation. And uh, the logical extreme to that is to essentially uh, bend the knee, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, well, it's that it's that push for change, right? That that you only can get better and and reach this panacea on earth with just more change. And whatever was old is now bad, and whatever is new must therefore be good. And it's just it's this weird line and threshold that they that they place on just no no longer doing the same thing, and it's it's almost idol worship over, over just change. Yeah, it, I would say yeah, that, because they are worshiping the change aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and once you do that, once, because that's one of the things that's like, so when we're talking about like, because one of the biggest things with progressive Christianity, which I knew we were going to talk about this part especially, but this come coming up pretty early, is just <laughs> the idea of just uh, the, how we all take the word of God. I think one of the reasons why, for example, you don't see Baptists at all is because though, so the Anglicans, you know, the, the whole Anglican thing started with just going, well, I wanted to divorce my wife, so I'm starting my own church, right? Like, so, <laughs> and, and the Presbyterians and all those things, like saying, like when you look at their history, it's all about, like you said, shrugging off authority. And Baptists, really, when you kind of look into Baptist history, it was really like, okay, yeah, those, those things are great, uh, but what is this Bible? What is like the word of God? What's that authority? And that's where it kind of they stem from, which is why they got persecuted on all sides of the spectrum. Um, and it was really just trying, they Baptists, though not perfect in doctrine, maybe, uh, were really trying to return to form uh, in many ways. And I, I, I was going to say that really even goes back to the foundation of, of the Baptist denomination as as it stands, I mean, the the Anabaptists, believe it or not, were were more Sabbatarian and more, much more akin to what what we are like uh, than they are now, actually. True. Um, so when when that's their their denomination kind of stems from a, a base of, you know, what what does Scripture say? Because Scripture is ultimately authoritative. Yeah. And even uh, the interpretation issue, um, you know, how do you correctly interpret Scripture? It, it was a big issue at the time. That's what really ultimately you get your different branches from different um, uh, modes of interpretive authority. Um, no, definitely. And the hermeneutic, to use the, the term there for, you know, interpretation, the hermeneutic that these people are using, it's, uh, and we see this continually, even uh, the Catholic Church even still does this when they think that the body becomes the, like, communion takes the literal body of Christ. And it's like, okay, whoa, hold. Yep, the yeah. transubstantiation. And it's like, when you're thinking about it, it's like, okay, but clearly Jesus was speaking in metaphor there. Uh, almost anyone can see that he was. And yet, at the same time, they take such a weird hermeneutic there. So, um, I think the reason why we don't see so many of these uh, some of these more, and let's be honest, Baptists and Reformed are, have never been the popular crowd um, when it comes to the theolo theological world. And I think it's a lot of it's just because they, honestly, they're not, they've never been trying to be as much of crowd pleasers uh, as much as everyone else is always trying to push for, like you said, the change. Okay, the culture is moving this way. We should too, or else we'll, they're afraid of being left behind instead of standing on something that's mm -hmm. objective, it's absolute. It's almost a lack of faith in how God can preserve his word and going, well, I don't know if this will be palatable anymore because culture's changed. We must change what we're saying in our own theology to keep it popular, which, um, which is definitely a lack of faith. To that point, I, I think uh, on top of what you just said, I agree. Um, but I also would say that fear 
is is part of it. Um, the, the the fear that uh, like you want to believe that the Bible is true, but you also want it to be able to fit into your current worldview to make it more timeless. Yeah. And out of the fear that you could be wrong, um, you you tend to like manipulate your own thoughts in the way that you see the the, the biblical interpretation um, because you're afraid of it not being. You, you you fear the truth, so to speak, and so just to put on top of that, I think fear is a, a level that is uh, within the layers of the reason. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, I think there's a uh, there's definitely this idea of what I, and what's what I've noticed when I was talking to Brenda with God as Gray and all these other people. When you're looking at the way that they think of Scripture, so when you're thinking of progressive Christianity and how it's seeping into a church, and we're going to definitely get into this. But what I'm what we're really seeing is the idea of. So I think what it comes down to is they want so badly to have the objective truth of a theistic worldview, because without God there is no meaning, right? There is no morality. If there's no God, none of these things actually exist. So they want those perks, but they also want yeah. the perks of being able to live like everybody else lives. So they, they want to have the cake and eat it too. They want to live both ways. And so, well, here's the thing. You're not going to be able to make culture shift to your theistic worldview, but what if I can just shift my theistic worldview into my culture? And therefore, boom, now we're now we have transformed it and now boom, progressive Christianity. Uh, and mm -hmm. I, I, that's really kind of what I've noticed is the fact that they don't want to be atheists, but they want to live like atheists. They want to have the perks of being a, of a Christian or a, a follower of God in some way, but yeah. without the dedication. Well, I yeah. think they can yeah, it, see too that there is a spiritual realm. They can tell that there is there is something above the plane of just of what we see in reality. Um, so they're trying to explain that while still holding on to their own personal beliefs and, mm -hmm. and cultural views. It's almost like the flip side to those people who say, well, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And so it's <laughs> like, you know, this is just the Christian version of that. That's actually a strictly postmodern invention. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, preach. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it, I, I even, uh, it's, it's, it's funny how that how that works out though, uh, because even some churches are so afraid of being labeled a religion because of the postmodern worldview that they specifically say things like, "Well, I don't follow religion or organize religion. I just have a relationship with God." And there's there's a lot of truth to that, but they're say they're sort of saying that out of fear of the the negative connotation that the word religion has in our postmodern society, and so they're saying it out of necessity, even though it's always been a relationship, but now a distinction has to be made. That's a good point. If that, no, that yeah. makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I just I look like Brad was mindset reason. has shifted the way we have to say things. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, no, because you. I mean, I feel like I do that too. Even as a uh, as a Baptist pastor, when oh, what do you do? Well, oh, I pastor Door Baptist Church, and they go, oh, you're a Baptist pastor. I'm like, hold up, because then I know exactly what they're thinking. You know, they're thinking. Yeah. Uh, Westboro Baptist Church or something like that. And it's like, uh, you know, <laughs> hold up. <Stephen> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they're thinking of people like that. So I have to, and that's what's sad for me being in, in you know, the group that I'm in. It's like, well, I like, uh, you know, I like a lot of the doctrinal things here. I don't agree with everything. Um, you know, I'm not a, a preservation of the saints Baptist. Uh, I, I, I get knocked for that one pretty harshly, but it's okay. I'll be fine. But <laughs> um, so, yeah, but I, I think a lot of this has roots, obviously, in our culture as our culture has shifted because our culture is going more and more away from a God-based culture, which are as much as people want to sit there and say our country was not founded on that. 
in reality, it in many ways was. Um, you know, there are certain things, obviously, maybe that, obviously, nothing was perfect, but there was a, you know, the fact that there was a lot of theistic people even at the very founding of, of everything. Uh, so we have that going in, and now what we have is the other side coming in, uh, which is really what you've talked about when it comes to postmodernism uh, there, Seamus. So um, I don't know, did you want to go ahead and comment on that? Go ahead and bring uh, the tide. There's a lot there. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, well, uh, going back to the fathers a little bit, um, the, the postmodern movement is, is more of actually a direct uh, answer to modernism or uh, the Enlightenment period. So to suggest that the founders were more like agnostic or atheistic uh, or like religion had no part. They were deists. Historically speaking, it's simply not true. Up until the Enlightenment, uh, just about everybody considered their worldview through the lens of religion. They identified with whatever religious uh, aspect of their life was that they grew up on. Um, nowadays, we grow up more individualistically, and so we put our uh, confidences in like sciences or creeds, um, social circles, class, uh, power, you know, things like these. Um, but that was, not, that was not a thing before the modern age, before the Enlightenment. Um, so just the mere suggestion that the founders weren't religious at all, historically, would be a false claim to begin with. Um, but... To that end, <laughs> uh, post postmodernism. I think um, I, I don't think a lot of people even really understand what postmodernism is. Agreed. Um, so we may need to spend some time defining the term. Um, and I do. I actually uh, just as uh, out of sheer curiosity, and so that I'm not the only one speaking the whole time. Um, I want to hear what um, what everyone kind of like what their idea of pers uh, postmodernism is, just so I have an idea of what we already know. Um, and then we'll move on from there, if that makes sense. Can we do that, or is that going to waste too much time? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm good with that. Go ahead, Will. Oh, yeah, I was like, I was like, who's going to go first? <laughs> it's um, like uh, you start. So I gotta <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love you. <laughs> oh, so yeah. The um, I was going to just try to see if I could at least find uh, the def the absolute definition of of it. Um, Real fast, but it's not working. Uh, but so essentially, I've always understood postmodernism as the of this idea of um, departing from all the original things that you know, like the traditions and things of the past. We're departing from that. And we're segregating things into other various theories where nothing is true, everything is permitted, and we separate everything by just you know, life is what you want to make it. Um, so, you know, there, the, after the Enlightenment period, there is no God, there's no these things, none of these things are necessary for an exi uh, a, a good existent life. So then they just kind of, so. Um, yeah, it's I, actually I, pretty, very close. Um, that, close to the definition that I have, anyway. There, there are several definitions out there. It's really hard to pin down, because uh, postmodernism is a philosophy. Yeah, like basically, a, is so, it subjectivism, essentially? Uh, yeah, so more or less, uh, the the definition that I have, um, that I've understood um, since um, since since my days in college, was more that uh, rejecting traditional values is sort of the norm, and um, redefining any and all terms is also kind of the the idea of postmodernistic age. Um, 
modernization is a term that I use when you try to take an ancient definition and use the modern definition for that word in the ancient context. That would be modernization. Postmodernism sort of tends to do that a little bit. Um, But yeah, it's mostly, it's subjectivism. Um, Nobody is wrong. Everybody is right. Uh, Live your truth. Truth is not an absolute thing. Uh, yeah, individualism is a is a very key component to postmodernism, and uh, there are some good things about postmodernism. But for the most part, um, it, it is a thought process that can be taken to an extreme. And when it goes to that extreme, we have progressive Christianity uh, as just an example um, of of postmodernism leaking into how we do our hermeneutics. Uh, and then you have the the result, uh, and it's it's just a product of our time. We educate our students uh, in the school system using postmodernistic um, ideals. You know, when we say things like uh, when we're doing a Bible study and we read a verse, and then somebody says, "Okay, well, what does that verse mean to you?" That's that question is a specifically postmodern question, and that ultimately leads to a very progressive mindset biblically speaking because now you're ignoring what that verse meant in its context and you're saying okay well to me what does that mean and to me this means i can be a liberal christian or or what have you um and so that's what postmodernism is in a, in a nutshell uh it's really hard to define though it's very very hard to pin down well, mainly because they don't define it themselves i mean that's the whole thing right there's no truth so postmodernism yeah. is very awkward I, in that sense it's essentially becoming I, its own self because if it's if it's subjective then therefore you cannot have an absolute meaning of the term. Yeah, so I have a, there's a term for this actually. It's called the paradox of postmodernism. <laughs> and this is when uh, postmodernistic ideals can only be proven within a postmodern mindset. <laughs> and so the, the, it's, it's basically circular argumentation. Uh, and, and so it's a paradox. The idea is to challenge everything, but only within the view of the self where you're challenging it's it's really weird circular argument it's it's kind of that's why they call it the paradox <laughs> yeah well no exactly uh, are, okay real nerd trivia how many of you guys ever played assassin's creed ah ah Ah, okay. All right. Okay. Uh, I was playing Odyssey beforehand. I finally got it. But anyway, uh, you know the, the Assassin's actual Creed, though. I remember when I was a when I when I was a teenager. First time I ever played the first one, and then they st- they quoted part of the Creed, and he said, and this is actually historically like you know when you get into what the uh, uh, the assassins uh, when you're getting into them, what they, it was actually what their philosophers would say, which is nothing is true, everything is permitted, and I remember when I was a teenager, I was like. What? How does that? How does that make sense? Because to say nothing is true is to say that that's it's true that nothing is true. Uh, you know, it, when you're permitted, well, that's not true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, well, everything's okay. Well, like, okay, so I guess I can just drive down to you guys and kneecap Brad, and there's nothing wrong with it, right? <laughs> well, if everything's true, then also the truth has to be true. <laughs> yeah. Say, in progressive Christianity, there could be a legitimate argument to that. But only if you look at it within the view of the postmodernistic argument style, <laughs> which means you could only prove yeah. it in itself. <laughs> yeah, well, that was like that was the thing when we were talking to Brenda uh, when we released the video or whenever she releases the video. Uh, that was the thing that, well, like, I was like, okay, well, you believe in like gender fluidity. Okay, well, then how do you how do you interpret Genesis chapter one? I created male and female. And she, and then of course her whole thing was like well in Genesis one and two you get this whole idea of um, God's uh, masculinity and femininity and coming together in the creation and that's what these are and that's, they, they, they and now through that we also are uh, 
you know, fluid just as he was. And I was like, well, time out. Yes, we were created in the image of God and I can get into all that. But the whole thing is like, no, but male and female, uh, this, that whole passage <laughs> becomes useless without... Plus, God can't be fluid and be Unfortunately, if you're an intellectual, postmodernism doesn't make sense. Like, if you're a very numbers-oriented person or facts or definitions, then it's really, really hard to actually see their point of view. Uh, and so I, I relate to you on that because I'm like, well, no, it says male and female right there. I don't see why – I don't see how you can see that any differently. Well, so the point, the point <laughs> that she's trying to argue, which this, this actually brings up something that I kind of wanted to get into a little bit or at least just make mention of is, you know, I've seen from a lot of what I've read from, from progressive Christians is they actually uh, submit that they are looking at the Bible from a more traditional uh, Semitic <clears throat> Judaic perspective. And that's where like for me and him, that's like, whoa, now. and and now that you've mentioned what she said it's like clicking in my mind and i'm like okay i know what she read but she read just enough of it to make sense to her what she thought so the the whole idea of of god's feminine and masculine attribute uh, her whole argument is actually kind of dismantled by the fact that in genesis 1 one attribute is present and in genesis 2 the other attribute is present, and that's it. They're never mixed. You know, Genesis 1, you've got God doing the creating. Genesis 2, you have the Lord God creating, and in Hebrew, that actually is relevant to the the gender personality being portrayed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that was uh, that was that. What's the masculine and one is the feminine. Yeah. yeah, which you actually that was the thing you told me to watch. Like, hey, you I watched this lecture series, Tale of Two Names, and that yes. was like, oh yeah, yeah. And I heard people reference it. Then when I listen, I was like, oh, this is what people are talking about. But it's funny. Right when she started that, I was like, do I really want? I kind of let it slide. I'm like, okay. <laughs> But you definitely, and I, I almost pointed out, I'm like, yeah, it sounds like to me you study that just enough for it to fit your view, and then you stopped after that. And that's what we yeah, see with progressive yeah. Christianity in general. They shift this text just enough to fit their view, but they're not, they won't take it the next step that obviously would dismantle their view. Yeah, like, all I, interpretations are correct. <laughs> and I think, and I was talking to a friend just yesterday about the, or Saturday, about you know he's dealing with uh, a very fundamental Baptist um, church and they're and struggling with how to communicate with each other and part of the thing that I really kind of communicated with him was in order for your biblical theology to be correct it has to be consistent because God's consistent God's unchanging so therefore his logic would be non-contradictory. If you are espousing a contradictory viewpoint, you therefore cannot be agreeing with God. Now, you might be saying something that's that's consistent and has nothing to do with the Bible, but if you're speaking in biblical terms, you're speaking in doctrine, if your logical perspective on that is inconsistent or contradictory, then it cannot be um, the Word of God. Yeah. Actually, that gets right into like John one, like John one, right? Like mm-hmm. the the word became flesh, and the word the word is logos, right? Which is the mind of God, the logic of God became flesh, and so it's like no, God. That's where we get our word logic. Like God is a God of order and a God of structure and a God that is logical. He's not like he's not creating square circles, you know, something that's absolutely impossible. Like he's not conscious. Mm-hmm. Squirkles. Squirkles. <laughs> 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 it's almost like there's a there's a fellow who actually uh, attends the the Shabbat study that my dad leads, and uh, one of the statements that he's point is is that you know that the term is called theological, 
Okay, logical being the majority half of that word. So if you're not fitting into the purview of that, then you're wrong. <laughs> That's a great point. That's a really good that point. That actually needs to be a t-shirt or a meme or both. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> <laughs> All the above. Get that merch. Um, yeah, and so that was, but that was one of those things where it's like, as I've noticed this, as I've just seen this, and we're not even getting to, at this point, we're talking about progressive Christianity as a general whole and a general overall problems with it. We're not... We're not even in the specifics yet of exactly how they and what they twist. Um, morality yet? Cool. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's there's so much there's so much there, and I mean there was one uh, guy that you had sent me, Brad, and I'm 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 over here in my uh, in my messages trying to say that I researched last night, and it's like a lot a large part of what a lot of these quote leaders are doing. First off, I like oh yeah uh, the yeah the Church of Lost Walls with Matt Sidrell. Yeah. Yeah. Where he's basically, go ahead, go ahead. He is pitching, he is basically <laughs> pitching like ancient shamanism and Hindu belief and like blanketing it in like Christianity. Yeah, like oh, we're gonna go. We 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 become one with nature. We 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 are. Oh, we feel we feel the creation around us, like and avatar. we feel God in and around us. What like Avatar? Yes, all oh, plugged in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. camping <laughs> retreats where you know you gotta you, you on the list of items you have to bring is a drum, and I'm like, oh my gosh, these people really do the drum circle. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> kumbaya. Real kumbaya over here. <laughs> Uh, well, and it's like, well, that, and that's actually, and I also posted a meme recently where that one girl's like, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe the, the, uh, the Bible is the word of God. I'm a Christian, but I believe homosexuality is okay. I'm a Christian, but I believe, and it's like, we use this term Christian now and postmodernism, again, with its everything subjective and fluidity. What Christian used to literally means little Christ, as you guys probably know, was used as a mockery term uh, toward Christians, and later on Christians just kind of owned it. <laughs> um, but what, what ended up happening was the fact that they were going, um, they just go, okay, you believe in a general overall sense of God, goodness, and like a good spirit of a general whole. Okay, you're Christian then. We like what some of the things that Jesus said, so you're Christian. And they're just taking and just broad swiping it across, and then they're hijacking the term Christian, where it actually honestly doesn't mean anymore. Or what it used to mean. Uh, C.S. Lewis talks about this in Mere Christianity as well. He talks about that. Like a word, a word ceases to have any form of meaning when you start making it mean whatever you want. And that's what yeah, we're, we're seeing here. So yeah, yeah, the shaman, shaman pastor guy who, who's a Christian trying to tell everyone to get one with nature. And it's like... When, when I saw, you know, in, in the list of things that he has researched and studied, that he has studied Christian mysticism, I was like, okay, first of all, that's not even a thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> there are many religions that have mysticism. Judaism is one of them, but Christianity does not. Yeah, no. Christianity is very much. In fact, even nowadays, even talk to Christians about the fact that demons are a thing. That the, the like, have you noticed that? Like, even though like Paul straight up references them, Jesus exercised them. Like, there's all these yeah. things that. And you mentioned, well, yeah, like uh, you know, a missionary friend of mine, uh, you know, had, had had to like deal with a de demonic experience once, and like they're like, what? Like those don't exist, and I'm like, That's not real. Yeah. <laughs> like Christianity, those like uh, the Paranormal Activity movies. <laughs> <laughs> like in the yeah, yeah, they'd actually be better chance at believing ghosts and or aliens than they would demons. Yeah, it's really weird uh, with some of this. Uh, so, so yeah, you're right, Christianity. So Christian mysticism. I'd definitely be curious where those sources came from. <laughs> yeah, I want to see what he's looking at. What yeah. is he reading? <laughs> I, I, I couldn't. 
find any other source material on like where he found any of it. But a, if I had to guess, I'd like, say he's probably delved a little bit into Kabbalah. Maybe he's um, probably got a catechism or something. And uh, ooh, mysticism. <laughs> yeah, but some of, some of the, I guess maybe some of the Catholic rites, some of the the Jesuit yeah. rites. I guess you know what. That's what I, I'm thinking. I guess actually the Jesuit branch of Catholicism would be classified as Christian mysticism. That's what I would have thought. I, I, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna you recant go back. That I'm, I'm going to recant what I, I just I said. I resemble that remark. Um, <laughs> the, the, the Jesuit movement really does delve a little bit more into the Kabbalistic, you know, mystical side of religion. I guess I forgot about them, yeah. I forgot mm-hmm. about that whole little shindig over there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. nobody likes to talk about them because, you know, they were bad. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Who are you to say what bad is? All things are permissible. <laughs> is it really bad? Like, if you knew in your heart that what you did, what like brought you peace and joy, who is anyone to judge you? Because you know, judge not, lest you be judged. I'm gonna not re- mention anything else in that Matthew se- Matthew seven. All that matters <laughs> is just not lest you be judged. No, the whole plank and the eye, same material uh, will be used. The measurement on you, we don't care about that. I just did a video on that today. <laughs> yeah, when we were having a discussion on on Facebook a couple days ago about that same thing, we're we we're talking about the abortion topic and like, well, I just don't think Christians should be judging people. And then this lady actually asked, well, like, well, do you have any Bible verses to back that up that you should judge people? And he's like, yep. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> and dump. Several. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that's. But that goes against directly against progressive Christianity, that the, the spiritual will yeah. judge the unspiritual. And we have to discern what is right and what is wrong. And that's what makes progressive Christianity so dangerous, because nothing is actually wrong in their view, unless you say they're wrong, in which case you are definitely wrong if you say ah, they're wrong. The paradox of tolerance. The, yeah, <laughs> the tolerant people are only intolerant of people who are intolerant. The, the, the only true sin is judgment. <laughs> I think that's actually a fun well, topic uh, to kind of delve into is tolerance. So you can't judge an interpretation because all interpretations are correct. So you can't say an interpretation is wrong. And so if you say an interpretation is wrong, well, then you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, is self-defeating. Yeah. And you know that they it's actually don't believe that. Yeah, yeah because the, if you... That's the postmodernism, yeah. you know... Because then it's like, <laughs> well, who are you to tell me I'm wrong for judging then? Yeah. Chief? <laughs> exactly. Chief? Well, you know, if someone says that, well, you, you know, you shouldn't be judging or, you know, I'm just being tolerant of their views and who am I to judge and I don't need to say anything bad about these people. But you know that they actually don't believe that. And to prove it is just is just have their child say, say the N-word. They will oh. come down on that hard and they'll say, no, you can't say that. Therefore, they have set an arbitrary, they've set a, a subjective or a, not a subjective, objective line and what you can and cannot do, but in their mind, they're still being tolerant because they're being tolerant of someone else, even though they're applying an intolerant view on their child. Or the fact that I could tolerance exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's the thing is like you know, or I I love when I'm talking to people who are being who are arguing moral subjectivism. And I've done this with atheists. I'll get coffee with them and we'll sit down and talk. And I say I've straight up they've had their phone on the table and I'll. Just grab their phone, put it down. Like, what? What are you doing on my phone? I was like, it's mine now. <laughs> I'm like, like what? I'm like, uh, who says you have a right to property? Is that objective? 
And it's funny because then we end up in this really, like, because then you're making, oh, no, what, Will, everything's great. There is no actual morality. You know, it's all, it's just social constructs. Okay, great. Then I guess I don't like the social construct that your phone's your phone. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly you're making, and once they start having to actually live out what they believe, suddenly they start redacting, but yet they still want to keep it. It's really funny and it's really interesting to watch. Yeah. It's because they want to live in the modern age where they get to, uh, you know, have the more, Everything is permissible type mindset. The more uh, bending the knee, um, I, I just keep saying it that way because ultimately, at the end of the day, Kaepernick. when you when you give in to the mindset like that, that, that's what you're doing is you're giving up um, your right to your your freedom of thought mm -hmm. because you're out of fear, uh, straight fear. You don't want to offend anybody. You're you're afraid it'll come down on you hard or or whatever, um, and so the fear alone keeps you from actually pursuing real truth if, if not fear of hurting somebody else at the very least fear of finding what actual truth is and it being offensive that's actually a really great thing though i think we should dive into so our culture is so polarized about anything that could be remotely offensive and so yeah, the church i disagree with you you disagree <laughs> yeah anyway. actually uh all right, video's over. <laughs> we disagreed. <laughs> oh, bye. Uh, but that's one of the things. Like, we, uh, I think it's an important thing we talk thing we talk about because now we are so scared to approach anything remotely possible to offend people that now the church has become. All the churches, almost nationwide, I mean, not all of them, obviously, okay, I get it, there's always an exception to every rule, but bear with me in my generalities, but there, there's no backbone to the church anymore. Like, you look back in the, like, it, with the, or like, think about someone like Paul, who was like, he was literally stoned almost to death and crawls back and goes back into the city. And he didn't care about his persecution. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's like, and nowadays, it's like, they said mean words, mean words bad. And it's just over. So, well, what are you guys' thoughts about the overly sensitive culture we have? We have kind of promulgated in our respective circles. Whoa. I actually, I, I feel like I'm the one to bulldoze this time. Usually, Brad bulldozes. Today, today I'm feeling bulldozy. Um, <laughs> Sound like so, a sleep. So the, the first pro, the first postmodernists, the guys who sort of invented it, were were French. Um, in, in, the, uh, in the late 60s, er, early 60s, excuse me. Um, they were Marxists and they were openly admitted, uh, to be Marxists. And they were basically saying that this is just Marxism with a different flavor so that, you know, uh, because in France, Marxism had failed horribly and it failed so bad that they had to admit it. And so they could no longer say the word Marxist, uh, and get away with it. <laughs> so, <clears throat> uh, but I, the overly sensitive culture that we have promulgated through, uh, through, well, the culture, um, trying not to be repetitive with words, is just a way to re repress freedom of speech so that you cease freedom of thought and you don't have nuanced conversations. It, it is a... It, I don't think they mean to do it. I'm not sure if there's like some ultimate conspiracy saying that, yeah, we got to repress them so that they don't ever, you know, have freedom of thought and actually have nuanced conversations about things and come to real conclusions and... Um, I don't think that's really the case. I think it's it's more just a like an uh, a side effect that was inadvertent an inadvertent side effect of that. Um, but it is a suppression of the of the freedom of the thought because truth is offensive and people are just so afraid to offend people now that nobody wants to come to a truth. Nobody wants to reach a conclusion because that could hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. and so, yeah. 
And there's there's a lot of excuses made too. We actually so there's a recent example of this kind of thing here in our hometown. Um, you guys may have actually seen me post about it on Facebook. Oh, uh, not this. But <laughs> at one of the the local uh, the local bar and grills, one that that I actually is is one of my favorites that I've been to. Uh, it's in walking distance from my house, you know. So it's it's awesome. Yeah, good burgers. Um, yeah, great burgers. Uh, but. Apparently, uh, one night there was some skinhead dude there with a swastika on his vest, and everybody lost their minds about it on Facebook and everything. And uh, so the owner decided that he was going to institute uh, certain bans on certain hate uh, symbols. Hate symbols. So oh, privately, I messaged and was like, "Okay, like, understand, I'm not arguing for this kid. You know, being of the Judaic persuasion, I, I find that <laughs> offensive." Okay. <laughs> Weird, right? But I need you to understand one thing. I I appreciate and respect consistency more than anything else. And so, yes, being of a Judaic persuasion, I find the swastika offensive. But being half Cuban, because my father migrated here from Cuba, uh, I find communism equally offensive. So I need to know that along with the swastika, you are also going to be banning the hammer and sickle, the the image of Che Guevara on t-shirts, <laughs> the Antifa flag. I'm like, these are things that are equally offensive to me. And I didn't get a response, and then when his, when his new rules actually dropped, uh, they were very particular with respect to the swastika and yeah. the Northern Virginia Regiment battle flag, and <laughs> nothing else. Uh, and so that's where it was just like, all right, I'm, I'm just not going to give you my business anymore. Dude. To, to that point, you did wow. skip a part. At, at first, the owner of the bar said, hey, uh, it's it's free speech. You may not agree with it, he did. but he did. it is what it is. If, you know, if you're uncomfortable with it, then go somewhere else. And then everyone kind of like he got bullied and really it. came to and he bent the knee. He eventually bent Mob the mentality knee. mentality beat and, him down. Yeah. And then he re, yeah. And then he redacted everything he said. And he was like, all right, I'm going to ban that symbol specifically as a result and so that's why he was like okay well at first you were like this is free speech and now you're saying we want to ban hate speech so for the sake of consistency are you also going to and that and that's where all that kind of comes from there's a lot more context that's happening there i summed it up to him like this i said look you know (laughs) genocide is 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 what it is and what it is is bad and there's no political ideology that can justify it and, you know, it was a long message, but I went over the numbers of, of how many Stalin killed, how many Che Guevara killed, you know, versus how many Hitler killed. And it's like, okay, like, genocide is genocide. Yeah. It's offensive regardless. Well, no, and that's actually, that's a great thing. That's uh, the, the, the cancel culture, so to speak, that we have. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. just that, that was my thing. I recently even had it where, um, you know, when we're talking about vandalizing statues and things like that in our culture, and, you know, when we're civilized, if we're civilization, we must act civilized. And here's the thing. There's a lot of people that have been put in, into infinitude by being put into a statue that I disagree with. That I actually don't agree with their philosophies or parts of their life. But of course, first off, Carl you have to fu- <laughs> <laughs> What? Carl Marx? <laughs> Weird. I disagree with atheism. I'm not sure if that's a plot twist for anyone watching. Uh, but <laughs> 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 so like when you're but when you're really looking at this, it becomes this uh it, like okay, for just I was talking to some friends about it, and they're like, "Well, Will's bought into white supremacist Christianity, and that because I was like, I just don't think we should fall." In. I, I'll get there. It's the haircut. It's the haircut. It's, it's the haircut. All right, I, I can buy on those. <laughs> I do have blood. I'm actually German, so. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Zeke Heil. Um, 
And canceled. <laughs> and canceled. Like that. <laughs> Suddenly, your, just your like YouTube that. channel has been removed. Uh, um, so, but this whole thing, like, I, and I was like, whoa, wait, what? Just because I disagree with vandals and with statues? In fact, I am okay with having statues of people that were horrible people that did horrible things, like even a statue of a Stalin, perhaps. Because you know what? I get to walk my kid down the street and go, yeah, that's Stalin. Do you know what he did? Do you know how many people he killed? Let me talk to you about ideology and it uh, creates opportunity as like things to remember and I was just giving that I'm like I get it otherwise people going well I don't want these people memorialized I don't want these things uh, and I can I can we can have that discussion we can have that conversation but I was told I was bought into white supremacist Christianity and of course I pointed out the obvious the fact that Christianity literally has a Jew at the center of everything uh, <laughs> and um, my wife is Korean so and my brother yeah. was Honduran, so... Oh, yeah, it really goes into that whole idea of... Go ahead. You know, I was just going to say, they're not, they're not actually trying to uh, get you to logically shut up. They're just trying to shut you up so that a conversation can't be had. Exactly. That's all. Well, and it, and yeah. it's that, the same definition you gave of postmodernism, right, where it's just this subjective idea that it can only self-define... And you try to define anything else by its own standard, it falls under its weight. It's really this anachronistic thinking of anything where you're applying that postmodernism standard to everything in the past. And of course, nothing lives up to that, that standard because one, it's subjective, and two, it, they didn't live by that, that standard when that happened. So we have the people that lived who had these statues built to them or these laws that came about at different times or whatever. They were living according to that time period. And that's not necessarily an excuse to be immoral, but it's just, it's not going to live up to the standard of postmodernism because honestly, nothing does. No, right. History doesn't matter in postmodernism. Uh, and it's, it's, it's almost like the idea is well, if I were to drop you down in 1859, you would have the exact same moral values and, and, and um, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, convictions. convictions. Uh, that you do now in the 21st century. Uh, and so if we were to drop you down in 1859, you would be the same person you are now, absolutely unchangingly. Uh, and that's simply not true. But to a postmodernist, history doesn't matter at all. Historical context isn't a thing. You take everything and you modernize it, and you add our definitions to it, you throw it back into the historical time period, and it doesn't live up to the standards, and so you cancel it. <laughs> Basically, they do that. <laughs> But with the Bible, and they do exactly that. But with the Bible, uh. <laughs> well, well, like they, people say, like for like nowadays, because we live in such an egalitarian uh, a world, and I think I speak for all of us when I say, well, we're all equal. Egalitarian egalitarianism is true to the point where we're all equal in value, but we are all different also in role. Like, and so the the biggest issue for we even see this like f falling over here is the fact that like, okay, what men and women, we are different. So what people do is they look into the Bible and they go, well, this doesn't fit my postmodern view. So therefore we're going to either shift to what the Bible says actually about these roles, or we're going to say that the Bible is misogynistic because it doesn't fit my philosophy, even though the Bible is coming from a complementarianism view, not saying one is greater than the other, just simply we are different in role. Mm -hmm. um, so we really do see it. It's like this weird lens that just kind of gets, when it, once it gets slapped on something, it just jacks it all up. <laughs> it rips it right out of context. It's more of a kaleidoscope. It just, everything just all over the place. Yeah, exactly. It's that and, individual mindset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which makes if, you know, if I'm an individual and I'm a woman, let's say, then every, I have to be equal with man in every single way. 
versus the more collectivist. Uh, the Bible was written in a very collectivist um, and culture, and so equal does not mean exactly the same. Uh, it's like you said, equal in value, different roles, um, but they don't see it that way. It's got to be 100% every way, precisely equal. Across the board. It's got to be linear thought process. Very, very... Uh, <laughs> well, which is really weird because once I realized that the Bible was... Uh, the Bible is it, amazing because it's almost like God is smart. Uh, but what? like... <laughs> like it's like... No, like the Bible uses both collectivism and individualism. But it is the perfect marriage between the two. You are individually responsible for your collective. And it's yes. it, it's like, well, wow, when you understand it that way, it's like, that actually makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, I will be personally judged for what I do to help or uh, influence my collective group that I'm a part of. Each tribe of Israel, that's why, like, you know, even the tribe of Levi had its own, like, hey, the tribe of Levi, they didn't have their own land, but guess what? They had their own roles as well. And, it's, it, and the priests had different roles, and it, the people had different roles. Like, it's just, but people don't think of it that way, that there's this collective, there's this individualism within that collective. It's either, it's got to be all individualism or all collectivism. Uh, and nowadays we have mob mentality going on now, which is like your friend, uh, or, I mean, that place down the road from you, uh, you know, there was just the mob came and shut them down. When I opened up our church during quarantine, I was like, man, I, I was waiting for the mob. Luckily for me, we live at, <laughs> that church is in the middle of nowhere and nobody cared. Yeah. In fact, we had people show up to the church because they were like, yes, we're ready to be in church again. <laughs> so, yeah, it was almost like, oh, you guys, you guys weren't open for a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was kind of mentality around here. So yeah, it's, it, it's kind of interesting how all that kind of just falls under its own weight. And I think, um, you know, to your point with, with how I think we see that kind of weak backbone in a lot of modern Christianity, not even the progressive Christians, but just um, they're scared of, of standing up to the mob. And they, they I think that's where it's really part of our um, responsibility as far as spreading the gospel. But we also have to try to reform culture. And that's that, that individual responsibility for the collective. And I think it is our responsibility to try to prevent our culture from going even further away. But there are no politics in church. So, yeah. But I think you're, you're really actually, trying to pull away. You, you said something actually that I disagree with a little bit. Uh, you, oh. you, your, your, your phrasing was they're they're scared to stand up to the mob, and and to me it seems more like really they're trying to include the mob. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, more tolerant. Actually, I think that's... you know they're they're trying to make a case for the mob being the true Christians. Uh, I feel like that's yeah. I yeah. think that's fair. Well, I think I, it's kind of both, right? It's because there's, yeah. there's two different sects of it, right? And we really are seeing the you have the the progressive Christians that are like, no, you have to tolerate everything and you have to do it according to our postmodernism standard. And then you have everyone else who's like, well, I'm just I'm just trying to be be nice. I'm trying to just bring the gospel, and boy, I'm not going to be able to give the truth of Christ if they're mad at me. So I mm -hmm. guess I don't want them to be mad at me. And they don't realize that that you're being unloving in that, right? If your if your spouse is doing something terrible, it is unloving of you to go to rubber stamp and go keep doing that. I see that yeah. you're drinking yourself into a hole. Keep doing that. No, the the loving thing would be to set them down and go. No, you are going down the wrong path, and I'm going to correct you. You're going to be mad at me, but we're going to get past this, and I'm going to love you through truth. Iron sharpens iron. Mm -hmm. How That's how can iron hard. sharpen iron if you're 
<laughs> it is hard. Well, well and here's hard. what's funny is like, uh, and actually this gets into something that you and I you, were both passionate about, which is why we both are doing what we're doing, which is the, the super sensitivity that is now, the, the super sensitive culture that we have has now seeped into the, our churches and our, into our believers, into our groups. So now pastors don't speak on controversial topics oh. or when they do, mm. they do so, so lightly on little eggshells, just like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to strike this middle line, tote this line so well. And, uh, that way no one can get really mad at me. And then, or you get, um, the, uh, you know, the opposite end of not only sometimes you can't even talk about it. I've been, I'm sure you guys have been too. I can only imagine, especially being Judaic, in, uh, so Judaic in your, in your grounding. I can imagine some of the things you've guys got and thrown at you. But I mean, I know myself, I was told one lady that, oh, well, just because I started the church split, that that tells me enough she needs to know about my heart and my ministry because all I want to do is stir the pot. I'm like, you mean I want to talk about topics that the church won't talk about, that people won't talk about, that we're scared to talk about? Like, yeah, guilty. But yeah. the early church, I mean, look at uh, the council in Jerusalem and all these things, like they all, they got into dicey topics, but I'll let oh, you go man. ahead. <laughs> no, no, no. It reminds me of Jews when they argue. It's, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's actually, I brought this up in, in the debate the, that I had uh, with Mr. Joshua from uh, Baptist to Catholic, and that's that Jews have taken that approach for the sake of unity, and there is unity in Judaism in a way that there isn't in Christianity. Now, their halakha, as with respect to like when you light the candles before Shabbat, they may differ in that, but they all agree that before Shabbat begins, you light the candles, and that's because <laughs> they have all sat around and argued this topic until there was unity. And so, you know, with with respect to what our pages do, what I've tried to explain to people is like the number one reason people don't take Christianity seriously is because there's a different church on every street corner that has a different view of the Bible, and any logical person understands somebody's wrong. Yeah, exactly. And that would that's uh, nail on the head on that. Like that was my thing. Was like, well, when I'm, my first church split that I went through, hence the name. Um, but like I remember when it was oh, one person was having a fit over alcohol, you know, and uh, so, <laughs> and I was like, and I stayed up till three in the morning putting together like a fourteen-page like thesis of every single Bible verse in the Bible, breaking down the Hebrew and the Greek, and I presented it to him because I was like, look, let's have a conversation. This is what I found. Can you disprove this? If you can disprove me, I will recant everything I've ever said and done. Um, and I've and I've left that offer on the table to anyone who disagrees with me about anything. Because and you know I have shifted my positions even in the last five years. Uh, you know you guys have helped me have some better understandings of certain things, or shift certain more positions. And that's the whole thing. Is like is that that's what it's all about. Is okay. I want to get closer to the truth. But I remember I handed this guy the paper and I went, hey, I can you do me a favor and read this? And he literally looked at it. He's like, I'm not reading this. And he threw it. And I was like, this right here is the problem. And you want to talk about postmodernism and all that? Well, the whole everything's subjective. Well, again, Christianity or Judaism, really, or, which is where Christianity stems from, it really was always about pursuing that truth together and looking together at this. But we have become so much so where we're, well, nope, I'm not listening to you anymore because I have to always be right no matter what. And our sensitive culture now, our pastors avoid it. They run away from it. Uh, they don't want to address these topics. Um, in fact, last week, uh, yesterday, uh, 
What, what's today? Today's Monday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yesterday at church, I was like, all right, guys. So I was talking about the parable of the lost sheep. And I was like, but with all the stuff going on in our culture, next week, I buy a show of hands, how many of you guys want me to address race biblically? And I was thinking, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, okay. I mean, it's obviously controversial today, but honestly, I was like, I don't really want to address it, mainly because I'm bored of it. I'm tired of it. It's actually a really boring topic for me. Um, and all every hand unanimously went up, and I was like, oh, well, I guess here I go, <laughs> talking controversial topics. But I don't mind talking controversy, but, you know, it's just, okay, here we go. <laughs> I think, too, that's yeah. where, you, where you talk about having this unity in Judaism. Like you said, they're arguing for hours. Well, that automatically infers that they have a respect for truth. And there is where unity abounds, and that's the whole point of our channel is, okay, let's talk about these issues with truth, and if we can all just agree that the longer we talk about it and the more we respect truth and the more we go back to the Word, then we are going to find it, and we are going to be able to have unity because we can find the agreement in truth. Yeah. But if you, don't, if you don't value truth, then you're never going to agree with anyone because you don't have a standard at all. And, and progressive Christianity denies truth. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, uh, just flat out, they do. It, and they're almost open about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of scary, really. Well, you know, yeah, well, and not for nothing, but like you were saying before, pastors, they just start to walk on really thin eggshells to try to avoid these topics. And so, in a way, um, the, the, the greater generalization of the word church uh, has allowed for this to uh, take root and grow because we just refuse to talk about hard topics. And so we we did it. We started our channel the same way. You know, killing the church uh, is our, is our series on alternate media, and the whole point is is we're talking about it's 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 twofold: things that need to be killed in the church, and things that are killing the church. And so, but so we're not afraid. You know, you come and have a conversation, sit down, uh, and get uncomfortable. And take some notes, you know, because <laughs> it, it's, it's it's unheard of these days. So many pastors are too busy walking eggshells that these these movements just come out of nowhere, and we allow it. One thing I will say, I, I think, eh, I'm not ready to just you know throw every pastor under the bus for this because I think a lot of them are genuine in in trying to present a a salvation message. You know, Agreed. almost every church sermon these days comes around to an altar call, and it's because they really view that as being their primary goal. And so almost every sermon is is based around that. Um, and the only real flaw there is that you're not really leaving any meat and potatoes for the people who've been safe for 20 years, you know? Um, and that that's its own level of problem, but, you know, it's, it is, at, very, at the very least, it's, it's more innocent that they're not talking about complicated issues. Yeah. That is a, that is an internal church affair that we can talk about later. <laughs> we're right now we're talking about progressivism yeah. uh, in, in the church. Yeah, and I think I think it's that. It, yeah. So now it's just to show how in my brain how that was connected is the fact that with progressive Christianity being as super sensitive to anything truthful as possible, it's almost like it's bullied pastors and churches to avoid these things. It's like, oh my goodness, I don't want to, I don't want this mob to get me. Uh, and I think that's where it connects. So all that to say, big circle to that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot there. And then also there, and what are you guys' thoughts when people say like, because obviously um, postmodernism, uh, neo-Marxism, these, these are philosophies. These are things that deal greatly in our culture, our society, and politics. So when people sit there and say that well, you know, 
to be Jewish or to be Christian is whatever, uh, you know, that's great, but it's not political. What are you guys' thoughts on something like that? Because I've gotten that a few times. Uh, so what are your thoughts? It's not political? Yeah, I think it's a fundamental misunderstanding of the purpose of, of faith. Um, a, a misunderstanding of human consciousness, too. I'm going to wax a little Jordan Peterson here, but the reality is that <laughs> one's religion is intended to shape their worldview, and one's worldview shapes their politics. Therefore, one's religion shapes their politics. Yeah, they're, in, they're inseparable, in my opinion. Uh, and I've actually, what's funny is, um, speaking of shifting horror uh, in, the, in the pursuit of truth, I used to heavily disagree uh, with your father um, about uh, keeping religion and politics separate. I, I used to be of the belief that it, it could be done, that it was possible if you were objective enough um, that it could be done. And uh, yeah, eventually, I'm, seriously, after like three years of arguing with this guy and, and really, I mean, really having a nuanced conversation and really sitting down and observing everything. And, and it was like, you know what? That makes sense. In, in the end, if your worldview de is determined by, you know, however, however God commands you to live by, mm -hmm. you will naturally be affected politically by that, even if you don't want it to be. It's it, it happens subconsciously. Um, and so uh, so that's an interesting uh, subject that we've brought up because I, I did used to hold the opposite um, at one point. Um, well, actually, me too. <laughs> I wrote a blog a long time ago about uh, – politics in the church and my whole thing was like and the reason why I wrote it was because I was I was in the south you, you like much like your guys like yourselves but I was uh, I basically was going to Republican Baptist Church uh, during the time that Obama was in office and every week was always talking about how horrible the Democrats were and all this stuff and it was never <laughs> talking about the Bible so it's like there's this other so I was like oh, guys we got to keep politics out of the church but and my whole point wasn't like ever because i obviously pro-life and things like that these are political issues that come right into my my sphere and i think people understand i think most people understood me when i was writing but that was a big thing for me was because back then i was like okay now we're become almost obsessive like he mocked obama every single sunday and i'm like okay bro what about my meat and potatoes? Like, I get it. Like, I, I don't <laughs> yeah. come here to always be reminded about how horrible the world is. I know how horrible the world is. I'm also here for some nice, godly, like, guidance. That was back when I was a youth pastor. So, It's almost like, you know, the Christian church became, like, the Christian church became the right-wing Saturday Night Live. You yeah. Know, where, like, it's just an echo chamber of hating on one side and, you know, hey, it's funny because he said something bad about the other guy that I don't like. Yeah. And do you it's not really funny. It's and not do you substantive. Think do you think that's affected progressive Christianity, some of those places? Because I think that's a thing, because I almost, I, every, they always respond to some pendulum swings, right? You might have had this extremely pushed Republican, extra conservative, but never teaching the principles and the things behind it, like right to property, right to these things, you know, right to free speech, why these things are important, why they're biblically important. So instead, yeah, exactly. So instead you have, yeah. nope, and then they swing over here. And I think yeah. that's almost what we're seeing is that we had this huge culture cultivated and people respond in pendulum swings as opposed to careful inspection of their beliefs. Yeah, an overcorrection, so to speak. Mm -hmm. They go yep. from one way and they overcorrect and yeah, go the other way. <laughs> you know, yeah, I can I can see that. I think a lot of progressive Christianity because it's it it kind of is a, an our generation kind of thing. Oh, uh, uh yeah, I'm, that uh, reminds me uh, cuz um part of the tenets of postmodernism is uh is um uh, reject uh, re standing in opposition is a virtue. So if you get preached at in one way, then 
the natural postmodern response to that is to overcorrect and stand in direct opposition to it yep. because that's seen as virtuous, even if it's wrong. <laughs> and you know the that's what true. they're what they're rebelling against is really the the Christianity that at uh, especially you and I will having grown up in a more fundamentalist Baptist background. <laughs> um, that's that's really what they're they are hard rebelling against, and uh, I I think it's. Personally, the, what I attribute it to is questions that were unanswered, and so they made up their own answers. Hmm. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of people in our age group that have questions about what the Bible says, and maybe it's a bit of a complex question that only, only the pastor is really equipped to handle, and maybe not even then. And so it's just dismissed, or you know, uh, you're, you're, it's frowned on to even question, and so... They just kind of winged it. What does and, that mean to me? Yeah, what does it mean to me? How, how can I make <laughs> that? <laughs> Clearly, this guy's not going to help me. Because all interpretations are correct. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I and so, I, and when, so when, like, when it comes to progressive Christianity, and anyone who watches this, like, definitely go, go, go check some of it out. It's actually kind of weird and kind of scary. Uh, like today, uh, uh, God is Great dropped a video of the Karens and used Allie B. Stuckey as a Karen, and I'm like, Allie B. Stuckey is not a Karen type. I am sorry. No. She, like, she that, might. That word's getting overused. But <laughs> well, no. Here's the funny thing: is that. <laughs> Deborah is a Karen. Like, oh, let's wow. be real. Her entire her entire YouTube page is nothing but Karen rants against Christianity. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, mm. uh, I'm just gonna come out and say it. Yeah, no, it really is because there's so many times where I'm like, why do you have a problem with that? And then. It, it's uh, in preparation. It was it was stressful um, because it was just every single video. I'm like, oh my word, I want to correct everything right now. But there's but that's the thing is progressive Christianity. It really is a pendulum swing against anything that people are trying to push rules and morality. And you know they think that with the other Christians are being oppressive, right? So if you are pro-life, you're against abortion, you're being oppressive towards women. If you are not pro-LGBT, you are an oppressive person. Of course, I could easily spin that around and say, well, you saying I'm me being against those things is you being oppressive toward me. So what? maybe we should just have figure out who's right. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know when you guys want to hop into that, but I, I don't know. If now it seems like a good time to talk about which one? Yeah, look, look at Brad's like, yes. <laughs> well, no, I, I really wanted to touch on real quick just some some of the ways that she presents certain things, especially the uh, the recent one that she dropped on corporal punishment, mm. um, where she cited a little bit of of uh, like Michael Pearl from the No Greater Joys Ministry, which I grew up on that. Um, between that and uh, John Rosenberg, like that that's kind of how my mm. parents raised me, and. Um, she presented, you know, because she played a couple of clips of, like, his wife speaking and reaffirming what he's teaching. Um, and she presents it as though these are prepared statements that she's been oppressed into saying. And it's just like, no, that's that's not how that, you know, on a personal level, with my wife, uh, half the time I'm the one who's got to be like, babe, you can't just talk to feminists like that. They have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, 
chill out just a little bit. <laughs> so actually, that's who not even related to progressive Christianity, just in relation to your marriage with faith. When we became Facebook friends, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, okay, so Brad's Brad's the caddy one, so she's probably the sweet one because that's how my ca- marriage is. I'm caddy, Callie's sweet, and all of a sudden I became friends with her. She's in there like, what's up? And like just swinging. I was like, oh man, how does that marriage work? That's got to be a riot of a time. Like two spitfire people. Yeah, walk in, they're punching each other. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, Brian, what's that like? We gotta have Stacy on sometime. Oh goodness, his wife is also a Spitfire. Oh, yeah. yeah, half the mic drops I have are really from her. I'm just repeating her and taking credit for it. All right. Nice. At least he admits it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what you know. The same. The the debate. Uh, the debate that that we did on baptism. Like I was watching it. I was watching it with my wife when it finally posted, and and like half the points that I missed, she's picking up on going. Well, no, he just, like, messed himself up there. And I'm like, why are you so smart? <laughs> and I so dumb. <laughs> so, uh, so like, yeah, I feel like what she presents is, like, this idea that there's no appreciation for, like, the value of women in their minds. And it's like, my experience is, it's invaluable, you know, what, what, what they offer. And uh, I... I feel like she dishonestly uh, represents, which is something we've seen in a few other videos as well. Yeah, well, progressive Christianity does that in general. Again, all because they we believe that you know men are the the leaders of their home. Therefore, you know they think that we're oppressive. It's like, well, no, we actually highly value women. I mean, Proverbs thirty one. No one even cares about the first few verses of that, which are completely unrelated. When people think Proverbs thirty one, they think of it as an amazing woman, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, there's actually some other good stuff yeah. in Proverbs thirty one. But okay, um, you know, and then just. Even the way, like, Paul spoke so highly of Lydia and Phoebe, like, he spoke highly of these women, and he was like, you treat them the way you would treat me. Give them utmost respect. And it's like, and you want to sit there and say we're trying to be oppressive when just because we we hold a complementarian view doesn't make sense. But again, if it doesn't hold into the neo-Marxist view, not uh, neo-Marxist, postmodernist view, uh, it doesn't fit. Same thing. And actually, yeah. well, that's the thing is progressive Christianity, they hijack from neo-Marxism. And Marxism, you know, Karl Marx was an atheist, an ardent atheist. And a racist. And a racist. <laughs> and oddly enough, what do we see now? We see progressive Christianity denying some of the most basic tenets of scripture. We see them uh, basically uh, following atheistic worldviews on literally everything. Uh, Also, they believe that they do the intersectionality thing where they separate everyone by people groups about, you know, age, race, gender, sexuality, uh, you know, all that stuff. And they become the new, and it's funny because in effort to become less oppressive, in effort to become less segregating, they have become the most segregated groups out there. You know, now we have universities that are asking for, uh, you know, to have dormitories segregated even. And it's, and that's really what progressive Christianity has become. It has become, we have now a completely adopted neo-Marxist view and postmodernist views, but we're sitting there slapping on the label of this general overall spiritual experience of Christianity. And 
Yeah, I always thought about that. You know, I, I tend to think in memes a lot with our internet culture, and I'm, you know, watching this whole thing progress in Seattle with Chaz, right? And they have, and they have these segregated gardens, and I'm picturing the the Back to the Future meme, like, hey, I've seen this episode before, because it really is. It's it's that whole that whole idea of those uh, of those uh, deep South segregationist ideas coming back, and now they've come back as a virtue. And it's like, no, they're racist before, and they're still racist now. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sorry, just because you've, you're now changing which races you, you're trying to make superior in, in certain aspects, it's like, no, no, no. If you really want to live in a, in a racist-free culture, you cannot continually try to separate people by their categories. I'm sorry, especially if it's categories that are immutable that they don't have a choice in. I'm sorry, you can't separate people by that and judge them then holistically by that immutable characteristic. just bothers me to yeah, no end. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you can't do that and then also hammer on equality. <laughs> <laughs> it's the you circular know, reasoning. Those don't work together. The circle keeps coming back. It's really funny. <gasps> I was listening to a podcast this morning, and it was, it was one of the best points I've heard on this. We was talking about how, okay, we're, they're, they're accusing the system of being racist, right? The whole system has to be torn down because it's oppressive. It's, it's not giving due process to people. We have people literally dying because of the system. And he made the point like, well, if, if you don't like the system, why are the things that you are calling wrong, the things that are protected explicitly in the Bill of Rights, that, that are these rights that you're saying you don't have? You're like, hold on a second. If the system is racist, if the system is systemically oppressive, then those rights that you're claiming that you are supposed to have, which are are protected by that that system, then you cannot hold. And I was like, oh wow, like the whole point of due process and uh, a trial of your peers and um, all those things. It was just like, wow, yeah, these are all explicitly stated in the Bill of Rights, and they've been there for years. Well, now I mean, they're systematically racist for some reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's the same process they do with the Bible. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, you're, you're abso- absolutely, it absolutely is. Um, it's and when you're when you're talking about it, because that's and progressive again progressive Christians and I'm using the term Christian there very lightly. Uh, I have a very hard time believing uh, that uh, many of these people are genuine, much in faith in any sort of uh, Judaic Christian way of thinking. Um, especially, you know, the guy we talked about earlier who's more of a shaman than he is a Christian. Uh, so, but, you know, when you're talking about, like, that particular uh, aspect of just, like, well, we're resegregating all these things, and that's the problem. And progressive Christians do the same thing, because when we even had our conversation, like, with Brenda, and then we've had conversations with these people, it has literally been like, okay, yeah, but do you take the Bible literally, or do you take it metaphorically? And then we can figure out where we go from there. And it's like, it is it is. Not and never has been that black and white in how you take scripture. Uh, there are certain, you know, uh, Song of Solomon, for example, or Song of Songs is actually what he titled it, but whatever, um, is a poetic book. It's not meant right. to say her hair, it, that her neck is literally like, you know, a goat's. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, uh, and, you know, it, uh, and you know, apocalyptic literature is apocalyptic literature. But then there's also like First and Second Kings, First and Second Samuel that are straight up literal history. Uh, and so it, there's these whole things where it's like they, but they want to blanket again. 
to resegregate and how they do that. They just look at the rest of Christianity and they go, this is Christianity and they shove it all there. Not, of course, not believing the fact, not considering the fact there's so many different groups of Christianity out there uh, and they all vary so much from each other, but yet they all still have central tenets, which is like, hey, we take the word of God seriously, at least for the most part, outside of maybe Presbyterians and stuff. I've noticed that um, Presbyterians, Methodists, they're Christian. Um, and it seems like it's, it, it depends where you're at. They kind of have some fluidity to them. Uh, one one I talk to will be very biblical. Like I've talked to Presbyterian Reformed people and they're, I mean, they're way Calvinistic, but at least they're like, man, they're trying. And then there's the other ones where I'm like, what? So what, what do you believe? Like nothing yet everything? Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, well, you know, it's almost like at a certain point, they call themselves Christianity, and it's just like, well, but you're not though. The, the Mormons are more <laughs> Christian than you. <laughs> yeah, and that's saying you know, something. Jehovah's Witnesses are, are are more Christian. You know, there there are other cults and branch offs from Christianity that would easily qualify as Christian more than you. There there are there are sects of Islam that are easily more Christian. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, at least they take the Bible seriously. Right? <laughs> completely completely twisted, but all the names and dates and places, but it's it's still believe more than you. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's true. Yeah, like because I, I I have this pulled up here, and I'll probably just kind of reference this for uh, throughout. But like I have those, like in those eight, th there's these eight points of progressive Christianity, and uh, the yes. first point says. Well, we believe that following the path of the teacher Jesus can lead to healing and wholeness, a mystical connection to God as well. And God is in quotes, by the way. And it's yeah. like, what? And then as well as an awareness and experience of not only the sacred, but the oneness and unity of all life. And I'm not going to lie. When I read this, if you remove Jesus out of this, I instantly go, so Buddhism? This is idolatry of the self. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. Very, very simply put, that's idolatry. Because it, it really, it, it is kind of Buddhist slash Hindi, you know, mm -hmm. in, in the way that it reads. Especially it, having God in, in, in quotations. quotations. Well, because any God can be the true God. No, everything is correct. All interpretations are that's, correct. That's going to come back around <laughs> later because I went through these two and, and I'm just, later on, it's going to come back around. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> the point two where it says all life, I'm like, really? Even, even babies? And you know, <laughs> they don't. And that's count. like, well, no, baby <laughs> raccoons, <laughs> baby puppies, you know, yeah. trees. <laughs> any oh, well, any other baby that is not under the determination of a human woman, because that's oppressive. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, how many times have you seen it where it's like, well, we found this endangered species animal and she's pregnant. Oh, no. Is she going to make it? And I always be like, oh, my goodness, I hope so, because oh, this species is so precious. And then, you're, and then how many times have you and I commented basically like, great, now do babies. Yeah. <laughs> and then people just freak out. And I'm like, yep, there it is. And uh, But, yeah, no, this unity of all life. But, of course, I mean. It is a very. Uh, it's all, you first. Oh no, I'm. I'm just saying it's it's this whole overly fluffy, nothing grounded. No, there's nothing yeah. substantial here. It's just it's, and that's when you really read this. There is no truth there, really, besides a general overall murky water sense of their creed. Like yes, of course, we all believe that Jesus is a teacher. Yeah, no. The specific. idea here is to create. 
uh, universality, right? So you want to be as least offensive as possible so that you can have a more universal mindset. Inclusivity. It, it's it's very it's it screams of Marxism. It's, yeah, and it's it's also, and then we'll get into this more later. But they're they are very non-dualist, which is oh, why yeah, God yeah. is in, in in quotations. And and even there, that again is something that like I can tell that they read a little bit of Jewish mystic writings and like stopped at the point that it was convenient for them. You know, because in, 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 you know, Jewish mystic belief, the idea is that, well, because God created everything, therefore everything emanates from God, therefore everything contains some little bit of who and what God is. You know, the nature of God is what binds all of creation together, therefore all things are God? All, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, you know, God, not all things are God, but God is all. But um. not. <laughs> you know, it's, it's 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 a complex thing to do. Okay, there's a reason that all of these books are are go into explaining ah, that yes. concept. These uh, books. Yeah. These books. <laughs> it's yeah. They're pretty. It's books. a five volume set of books that Paul compressed into one chapter of Romans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's well. It's funny that you mentioned because that's what I've noticed too when they talk about this. I'm like, okay, I agree to the fact that God is in all things. He is omnipresent, right? Which means he's. That's not just saying he's in this room. It's like no, he is within. Me, uh, there is a, because there, God's personhood, uh, if we can say that, His nature, His being, to some degree, is is touched on all things He created. Uh, the, but, yeah, the the idea is that you know the will of God is what is binding the the matter that makes up this pen together, and you together, and the computers that we're communicating on together, and this table together, and you know. All of creation is bound together simply by the will of God. If it were not there, then it would simply cease to exist as though it never existed in the first place. Right. And so it, it does not mean that everything is God. And, uh, exactly. And, yeah, not this Hindi, Buddhistic, uh, pagan view of things. Um, which, because again, if the creation is God, then who caused everything again? Because there's no creation. You know, like it, it creates. Exactly. One of the, it becomes it's paradoxical. Not, not no, it's not even paradoxical. It's contradictory. It is the married bachelor uh, to say that uh, you know the world has had its you know well the world is God all this unity in nature and we're all of it and that's part of God. It's like okay yeah but then who created nature? Mm -hmm. You know the married bachelor man that really is a paradox. <laughs> <laughs> Square circles, two D spheres. You, yeah. <laughs> Yo. Progressive Christian. I saw a TikTok video explaining squares equal circle, and it blew my mind. No, all, all shapes, external angles equal 360 degrees. That's ge basic geometry. Seamus, <laughs> oh. Shame I'm not a mathematician. Slow down. <laughs> I'm not getting excited. We're going to talk geometry now? I wouldn't prepare for this, but I'm excited. <laughs> now, how does the pentagon... How does the pentagon... I basically points out a square has four 90-degree angles... Four times ninety is three sixty. A circle is three sixty. Therefore, square equals circle. And I was just like, "What?" No. <laughs> okay, hold up. So now, can we make geometry like apply to progressive Christianity? Like, say something like nope. the like the pentagram. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought you were gonna go back to the square circle, but you went the whole other direction. <laughs> so sorry. Like, Overcorrect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit, maybe a little extreme, but anyway. So uh, I just felt like, how can we make this connect to progressive Christianity? Oh, I know, Satanism. Um, so, 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, honestly, yeah, when it comes down to this idea of that, of this, and that's right there for people who are listening, that gives them the very much the idea of what it, progressive Christianity believes about God. It's all nature, it's all inclusive, uh, superfluous kind of view of everything. I don't know. I don't know how to put it up besides that. Um, do we, do we want to, do we, is there anything you want to comment on there? Or should we just kind of hammer these out or no? Yeah, I mean, let's, yeah, let's hammer them out because uh, that one's pretty, we've, we've hammered that one. We beat that yeah. horse. <laughs> yeah, horse is dead. Uh, so number two says, affirm that the teachings of Jesus provide but one of many ways to experience God. You're so close. The sacredness, <laughs> oneness, and unity of life, and that we can draw from the diverse sources of wisdom, including earth, in our spiritual journey. <laughs> interpretations are correct <laughs> this yeah, actually well, go ahead that is a that is a blatant justification for the reasons that they are drawing from hinduism buddhism that it's an admission basically without saying as much they're admitting that they're drawing from other sources of truth yeah they're taking they're taking the idea of all roads lead to rome when jesus quite expressly said narrow is the way no one yeah. comes to the Father, what? But by me. And he's like, it's, no, this is an exclusive club, pal. <laughs> it's that Oprah Christianity. Oh, got him. <laughs> and that's going to be a meme later. Thank you for that one. Got that Oprah Christianity. By the time this video is over, we will have so many one-liners. <laughs> well, if we are all not so dang cheeky. Um, but actually, I really appreciate the fact that there's camaraderie here. That was one of the reasons I was like, I really like this group. We're going to grow together. We're going to do this stuff together. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, any any other thoughts on that? Because that's one of the things I just stuck out to me. I'm like, no, geez, God has always, ex like, you know, Yehovah or, you know, um, Elohim, if you will, it like has always claimed exclusivity. It's never been, oh yeah, the Canaanites also found a way to me. No, it was like, no, they are actually quite horrible people. Go wipe them out. And, you know, of course, yeah. some people converted in, but like, if not, well, it, well, bye. you know, it, this is one of those where where you really gotta let's go to Jesus and the woman at the well. What did he tell her? Mm. Because she pled an argument of this nature. You know, well, you Jews worship on, you know, on at, on the mountain in Jerusalem, basically, and and you know we worship here at the well. You know, our father Jacob dug this well, and and you know Jesus just goes well. You don't even know what you're worshiping. <laughs> True. You know, like, this is, yeah, why, why, why are we talking? Because there's one way. God said it was this way. You guys are some weird offshoot that have done something way off. Yeah. And well, and then you also have what well, Jesus also, he does the horrible sin of judging right after that and tells her that you've had five husbands and the one you're with. It's not your husband. And he basically just called her. Like, that was the most polite. Yeah. <laughs> so glasses fall from the sky. <laughs> like, he, it just becomes like this whole, like, you, Jesus comes in. And the and what you get from that is, like, there's got Jesus' grace and truth. He's showing her love and kindness. But he's also like, no, I'm rebuking you. You're, and that's the whole, the whole thing of that story. She was kind of the town whore, so to speak. She was known to be a loose woman. And... You know, nowadays, even saying loose woman because they all believe in sex positivity, which I've never understood how they capitalize on that, by the way. 
Christians and Jews have always said that sex is positive for the most part. I mean, you get some of the weird offshoots of like, oh, sex is only for reproduction in some weird circles. But for the most part, everyone's been like, no, sex is actually pretty rad. Like, uh, (laughs) the way my dad phrases it is like, if you're a believer, you should be having way better sex than anybody else. (laughs) And statistically, that's true. Have you seen the studies? Um, the most. Oh, okay. So, uh, just real quick tidbit before we move on. But no, the most sexually satisfied group of people in in the world today. Brace yourself. It goes against every stereotype. Christian women. <laughs> but it's true. Like. Will. <laughs> They are oppressed into into saying. That. <laughs> is that what that is? <laughs> Inconvenient fact. <laughs> you know, I swatted away. No, I, I wish I could get Callie down here to affirm for me, but you know as well as I do that she would just roast me as she always does. She, <laughs> when, when friends are around, she she just makes fun of. We all of our wives have met each other. <laughs> <laughs> we should never let that happen. <laughs> yeah, we should not. Absolutely not. <laughs> Under no conditions. Some things in this world are too dangerous to explore. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. But that's. <laughs> but that's the thing. When I'm like over here, like yeah, they believe this general overall oneness, this hot idea of experience of God. You know, Jesus teaches oh many ways to go, and it's like no, Jesus and God have always said it claimed exclusivity and this whole idea that Jesus actually very much uh, judges others in I mean he has said some harsh things to Peter get behind me Satan right like mm-hmm. <laughs> okay yeah but don't judge the truth is offensive yeah yep I mean that's yeah. Uh, yeah. religions are contradictory in, in many ways so they cannot all be true well they all claim exclusivity yeah but... well almost all of them do yeah like all... <laughs> All of the, all of the, um, I mean, let's just call them what they are. The, the, the more convicting ones claim exclusivity. Um, that's actually something that a rabbi that I, I watch on YouTube actually used in, in one of his, his videos was the exclusivity of a religion, of a religion. The idea that, you know, well, if, if I join your religion, do I get the benefits of his religion? And it's like, well, no, that's not how that works. Unless you're progressive Christian. Yeah, then you can mingle and mix and match and all no of the how ungodliness. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this one is, I think number three is the part where we can really go, really go ham. Oh, do you have it pulled up there, Ryan? Yeah, I got oh, okay. Um, you want to go ahead and read that one off? I've been doing a lot of talking. Sure. Uh, number three is seek and create community that is inclusive of all people, and all is all caps including but not limited to, so of course they got to have a list, uh, conventional Christians and questioning skeptics, believers and agnostics, those of all races, cultures, and nationalities, those of all sexual orientations and all gender identities, even those probably that haven't been invented yet, those of all classes and abilities, those historically marginalized, all creatures, and plant life. And plant life. But not unborn babies. Yeah, that's not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also, flowers. Wait, how do you create community with plant life? I think it's you smoke shamanism. It. Sh- yeah, worshiping the trees. 
I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go fellowship with my tulips outside. Maybe I'll become more yeah, Calvinistic. Right. <laughs> go outside and worship the stones. Tulips. I did a Calvin joke. Uh, <laughs> um, that was. Uh, you slid that one in really slick. <laughs> uh, well, okay. You gotta understand. First off, he was raised Calvinistic. Also, I live in Grand Rapids, where Calvin College is. I am surrounded by nothing but Reformed churches. So, uh, me even yeah. acknowledging that something called free will gets me co sometimes called almost a heretic by some of the people around here so it's a good time so how dare you do that yeah so i crack <laughs> jokes but i always mean it in light because i'm not saying that calvinists are horrible people i just think we disagree um i consider it an in-house debate so which Whoa, is fine <laughs> yes it's okay to have those in-house debates and it's okay to throw some mild shade at each other as in good humor and good fun um one thing that always stands out to me when you have people that are claiming this this essentially worship of 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 plant life and worship of the environment um, and yet they decided to have a website and I work as a computer engineer and I know how much electricity goes into having our little devices be able to pull this up. I mean, it is just the amount of carbon in the atmosphere and the amount of trees that have to die and all the fossil fuels have to be used just so you can read this little text on your screen for a few seconds. And it's like, if you really believe that you would not have a website at all. In fact, you wouldn't have an iPhone or internet or air conditioning, but yeah, it's again, it's that illogical uh, window of how they're they're viewing everything, and it, it just doesn't make sense if you extract it past its own its own mindset. Also, they realize that trying to yeah. seek community with conventional Christians is next to impossible, since they believe that conventional Christians are wrong on almost everything. Uh, they're at the top of the list because they'll be the first ones to be kicked out. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Also, what are your idea of like, and then they're trying to create community with skeptics and agnostics as well. What are your thoughts on that? Because that's a fun topic, depending on what Christian circles you're in. It's that universality again, um, just trying to be super all inclusive uh, and avoid seeking actual truth. Um, snowflake culture is sounding. That's kind of what it sounds like to me. Like, there's nothing wrong with accepting uh, agnostics into a community. Um, but, uh, what obviously the goal here is not to help, uh, an agnostic learn and have a nuanced conversation with these kinds of people that would present, uh, an argument counter to, to our own beliefs because the, the, the goal here is not to have that conversation. And so it is interesting that they would, that would still include that. Um, the, the idea being, I think in their mindset is just, uh, you know, all inclusive and don't offend anybody. So, because you don't know, we we might have some agnostics who don't believe like you. So, I just find it interesting <laughs> that they actually left atheists out. True. I thought that was weird too. I, I mean, questioning skeptics huh. was that their nice way of saying that? Maybe. I don't know. That I was, sounds like I, an agnostic to me, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, have you not heard like the neo atheist? Uh, um, what they what their definition? They no longer say that we don't deny an existence of God. We just lack a belief in God. Which is basically instead of stating their position, they're just they're now stating their psychological state. So like a deist sounds like semantics. Yeah, yeah, it sounds it, like atheism but with extra steps. <laughs> go watch, go watch some Matt Dillahunty debates. It'll make you crazy. Uh, Matt Dillahunty is a really annoying atheist uh, speaker. He he's basically his entire arguments. We don't know, so stop saying you know. Uh, and so you're and then he he claims intellectual superiority. We don't know, so stop saying, you know, it's funny, actually, so that's an old, uh, I, I, well, I read that a rabbi, a rabbi once said, 
where the believer says God, the atheist says, I don't know. And the believer knows as much about God as the atheist knows about what he doesn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Beautifully put. (laughs) Also, the idea... Uh, the idea of like all sexual orientations and gender identities. Now here's some for some hot takes here. Homosexuality is now becoming anything that ought to always be included in the church. How are your thoughts on this? Because I mean, are you of the uh, persuasive that uh, persuasion that if someone even has a same-sex attraction that they should that they should be treated the same as a practicing homosexual? Or, or what are your guys' thoughts on that? I, I'd be actually curious to see what the what your views would be on that. But I mean, so the. The demanding that Christianity accept homosexuality. Actually, the first time I was introduced to this was actually with Matthew Vines. Um, I think he wrote the book The Gay Christian yep. or something like that. And, and you know, it's funny because uh, the entire basis to his his line of reasoning is the exact same line of argumentation that most Christians who disagree with what we believe would argue um, and so there, there's a little bit of, there's, there's a sense of irony, uh, in, in that, but with respect to, you know, a practicing homosexual versus one who just has a, a same sex attraction, um, this is one where actually the, I, I take to heart the Judaic understanding of really what the Torah is. Um, and, and that, that really goes into, uh, you and I have to have a discussion one day on, on what the first word of Genesis actually, you know, means in a deeper sense. Uh, But suffice it to say that the Jews actually believe that the Torah itself was used to create. Um, In other words, that that was the... The The blueprint. Yeah, the blueprint with which creation was created. Uh, Therefore, the Torah is a nature-creating process. And as as one Rabbi uh, Kellerman uh, argues, is that if it really is a nature-creating process, device then you can point it at yourself and change your nature and change your nature which if someone if a homosexual truly does love god and reads what's in the torah and lives by it they're thereby not giving into the temptation. Uh, the, the temptation of his desires then uh, yeah he he will become a new creation is what what paul calls it um so i i don't I don't necessarily disagree with the idea of having someone who who feels same-sex attraction. At at a certain level, you really cannot help what you feel, um, and it should definitely be applauded for not acting on it out of conviction. Um, Whereas if you are a a practicing homosexual openly living in that lifestyle, you... Without seeking change. That's unrepentant sin. You really can't... There's a certain point, I think, um, that maybe, uh, oh man, because how do you how do you handle it? Just as an example, a situation where a man wants to come into our congregation, so to speak, and they are practicing homosexuals, um, but they don't uh, they don't really know any anything yet. So how how long before you say, okay, well, unless you're willing to change, get out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, where's the cutoff? <laughs> I think that's probably a subject that a lot of a lot of churches could handle a little better because it's you know it's almost one of those things where there needs to be a I feel maybe there should be a little bit more of a a sternness in in like look this is this is our community like this is this is what we stand for these are the 
You're the, the way the yeah. way the way that a Jewish community does it. Yeah, <laughs> the, a Jewish a Jewish community has its own halacha. Okay, um, and if you're going to live in that community, and there are Gentiles who do live in Jewish communities, um, and they have to abide by the rules of that community, whether or not they believe in them. Um, it's just uh, it's a look. If you're going to live among us. This is what you got to do. Well, it's kind of like the my house, my rule sort of thing, right? Like it's just exactly, exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I mean, I get yeah. that. I mean, and that was my thing because I've had I've counseled people with uh, same sex attractions and whatnot before, and you know, it's like okay, yeah, you know, and we are able to kind of work through those things. But again, it's like not acting on again. You can't always help how you feel. Like there's times where you might feel violent, right? Um, but not acting out on <laughs> it is a very different thing than acting out on it. So um, you know, but the thing is, this bottom line is that there's this huge idea, this big push in uh, progressive Christianity that homosexuality is not a sin. And they try to use the, you know, the word arsenokoites uh, that Paul uses in, in Romans. Uh, and they're like, oh, see, but we don't really know what it means. It could mean this. It could mean pedophilia. It could mean that. It's like, yeah, but what you, but the thing is, is in the, um, when you're dealing with like the Septuagint, when the Jews straight up uh, translated from Leviticus and whatnot, which talks about homosexuality in Hebrew, in the New Testament, when it got to that part in Leviticus, when they went from Hebrew to Greek, they used arsenokoites. And so it makes it very clear. <laughs> well, there's there's something else to that, and this is one thing that I've actually recently had to explain to someone uh, earlier today, actually. And that's that, you know, you're, you're trying to make a differentiation between pedophilia and homosexuality in ancient in, in the ancient, you know, Hellenized world, it's the same thing, you know. The, uh, a boy, uh, a boy was considered to be lucky. It was considered to be a miracle if he made it to the age of 16 without being raped by an older man because, you know, traditionally speaking, pedophilia is homosexual by nature. In the traditional this, definition, the, yeah. Yeah, sense, the, yeah, the idea of, you know older man with younger woman in biblical standards would still qualify as pedophilia today uh, because different culture, you know, women got married younger and men were typically older because they were established in their career. Um, but that, that doesn't fall under the purview of pedophilia in the con in the context that the Bible is speaking of. That's, we're talking about a homosexual act. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, and that's, and, yeah, I mean, pretty much nail on head. And also, the Bible talks in general about sexual perversions, right? As as a one general overall umbrella. So, um, but yeah, anyway, I just found that found that interesting that they want to take everybody in, uh, but it's like you can't by nature because again, exclusivity is 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 the nature of God. Um, it's whether or not you're going to be surrendered unto Him or not, and that's that's a big thing here. And I'm not saying I'm perfect; I got it all figured out either. But man, at least try. <laughs> Certain things are very explicitly yeah. put in the Bible, like "Thou shalt not kill." Okay, great. Okay, also homosexuality is very clear in Scripture. Um, <laughs> no matter what doctrine you hold up to the traditional, whether you're a covenant theologian, Judaic in your faith, or dispensationalist doesn't matter where you're at in there, it's pretty clear. Um, uh, that actually brings me to something that is a part of postmodern movement um, about, about the morality. Uh, so postmodernism, morality is more of a, um, as long as I'm not causing harm to anybody else, mm. then morally it's acceptable. Uh, and John Hyde, I, th I think that's how you pronounce it, Hyde, Jonathan Hyde, um, uh, came out with a wonderful book that has a study on, on morality across, across cultures. But long story short, um, in ancient cultures, morality is not just whether or not 
um, it, it is a harm to somebody else. Um, that there can be ideas and concepts that are considered immoral, even though they harm nobody, to include yourself. Uh, and my, my go-to example for this is actually an ancient biblical Hebrew culture. Cross-dressing is a moral issue. It hurts nobody. It, it, there's, in our postmodern society, to our, our modern uh, mindset, we're like, well, he's not harming anybody. He's not really doing anything wrong. It might be weird, but it's not immoral. Uh, but to the ancients, it's a moral issue. That, that is an immoral thing to do. It would be to, would be to cross-dress, and that's just the way that it is seen. Um, and, of course, this comes with, uh, well, truth is subjective. And um, so if, if, if God is more subjective and truths can't be, come from him as absolutes, then he doesn't get to write moral standards, right? But it, it, obviously the biblical standpoint is he creates the moral standards, so whether or not we agree with them, that's what morality that, is. Yeah. He wrote the standard, it is what it is, suck it up, buttercup, and deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, God, yeah, if we, and God is the one who dictates all morality. And so, yeah, it, it, and that's where morality has to stem from. And like, so like cross-stressing, actually a great uh, thing to talk about. Well, why would that be immoral? It's not hurting nobody. It's like, well, because you have a nature, you have a role that you are supposed to play, and you are confusing them and perverting them. You're bringing the two things together that are not, no, these are supposed to be separate and distinct, and you are now muddying the, the water. That's why it's immoral because again, God is a God of logic, order, and structure. So, if you cross-dress, you are denying the image of God in the creation that He made in you. Boom. Yeah. I kind of want to take. Uh, uh, I wasn't going to. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you got? Do you got? <laughs> Keep that handy. Um, so, uh, do you guys still have that? Do you have that pulled up there? Want to read point number four? Because I just find these really interesting. It's only eight points. Yep. Okay. So, know that the way that we behave towards one another and Earth is the fullest expression of what we believe. Therefore, we vow to walk as Jesus might have walked. Oh God! <laughs> in this world. In this world with radical compassion, inclusion, and bravery to confront the positive, confront and positively change the injustices we experience, as well as those we see others experiencing. There's an SJW mindset coming out. And walked in this world the way as Jesus might have walked is a that's a Hebrew Hebraism. It's. That phrase is used all over, all all over Hebrew. Uh, it's it's an idiom, <laughs> and they're using it, and it's they're using it all the wrong ways. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't say it's okay to be a gay Christian and then go walk as Jesus walked. It's like, well, which one is it? Because <laughs> pick a lane, people. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Well, so Brad keeps using the word halacha, and I don't know if you guys know what that word means in Hebrew. Uh, we use it to mean like a, a, a ruling on a law. Like uh, if, if the law is to, you know, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, a halacha of that would be to light a candle before it begins, right? That's, that's, a, that's a way that you carry out the law. But the word halacha means to walk. And so the, the, in my, my Hebrew... Uh, side of my brain is going into halacha the way that Jesus might have halacha and I'm like so 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 be so be Jewish yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well that's what else this funny irony in something like this is the fact that they're they're not 
it, that's where the contradictions come in. It's the, and it's very plain and obvious right here. To walk as Jesus might have walked is very much than saying, okay, great, then take on his morality and stop saying everything's so subjective if, if you truly believe this. But I feel like they, they purposely added the might have walked like, oh, this might have been what he really meant by that. I feel like that was uh, conveniently inserted in there. Um, and then, what is it? Radical compassion. Okay, I agree, but I think your version of that is different than mine. Inclusion. I, again, agree, but your version is different than mine. And that's what's funny. Is that, have you noticed that they take complete ownership of these things? Like, they possess them. They're in the possession. I saw one person put out, we, we are the progressive Christians. We are the radical left. We care about people's rights, and we actually care about the well-being of others. And da, da, da. I'm like, see, that's the problem. You guys think that's exclusive to you. Well, it's just the point that words don't yeah. mean anything anymore. Yeah. They really don't. They're just, yeah. Well, I even thought that that sentence is actually a little bit contradictory, right? Because the idea of inclusion and to bravely confront are separate things, right? If if you're including everyone no matter what, then what are you bravely confronting? Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> that, it's that paradox. Yeah, they're, they're only bravely confronting uh, people like us. <laughs> you should email them. Um. <laughs> well, I thought, too, that, you know, always the, the point of injustice, right? And they're specifically looking at, at the injustices we experience. Um, and that's something they're trying to write. But, you know, I look at, you know, first and second Peter, and you, he, so much of that is, is on suffer as Christ suffers. And this is like, well, avoid suffering. You got to fight all that injustice because, you know, that's, that's not good. And, you know, I just, I just thought those things were, were contradictory. I was like, ah, Paul and Peter are pretty clear that we're going to suffer too. And that's kind of an expected thing as being a Christian. Um, uh, well, and also just that victim mentality, like you, uh, you've mentioned that a few times here. And it's like, yeah, no, everything to them is, I'm a victim, I'm a victim. Look how wrong society is treating me. Look how bad my, look how these, this particular, uh, you know, these cards I've been handed. And it's just horrible, it's injustice. Now we must confront it, all these injustices. And personally, you know me personally very much. And you guys are, you know, we're becoming more and more friends. But like I have, I take major issue with victim mentality in general because First off, I grew up, uh, we, my family did foster care uh, growing up. But if the state knew what was going on in my home, I would have been in foster care with the rest of the kids that were supposed to be coming to my home. Okay, By the time I was 10 years old, I'd experienced every form of abuse, uh, and not because of kids in my home. Uh, it was actually from, from the parents down. And now, and again, I, I have a relationship with, uh, like, my dad and I were cool, but there were some horrible things that happened in my home. Like, I mean, my mom was arrested, you know, my, my dad beat me, I beat him once. That was a crazy story for another time. But like, it's like, I know what it was like to be filled with anger, hatred, and all these things, and be the victim of sexual abuse, and all of the things. I know what it's like. And it's, and, but to sit there and be like, I'm going to confront the entire world, like all the injustices that Will has experienced, is now the same blanket that, that I'm supposed to lay that blanket across the entire world now, and aggressive society. It's like, no, mine was a specific case that some people experience. And it's horrible. But if you're allowing that experience to shape you in such a way where you just are defeated by it, then guess what? Your abusers win. Like if you're just, oh my goodness, everything's terrible. Well, then your abusers won. There is no winning. There's no winning in, in victim mentality. And this idea here, like, yes, we ought to confront injustice, but not every little thing I've ever experienced needs to be confronted and therefore uh, 
what's the word of uh, validated yeah it's like no i i'm very comfortable with who i what, what everything i've been through and whatnot i just i really take an issue with victim culture uh especially with like well you don't i get to tell this all stuff well you don't know what it's like to experience xyz i'm like actually i do i just <laughs> don't care about your you know pity party it's we yeah. can't be doing that essentially radical whataboutism right it's like well, what about me I was, oh, wow. I, yeah, I, I was, yeah. that was, I had it worse than you. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, we had, uh, you know, my son was born premature and, and that was one of the most annoying things at the hospital is like, you'd meet someone else with, with a kid in the NICU and they're like, Oh, you know, when was he born? Oh, 27 weeks. Well, ours was born at 26 weeks. So therefore <laughs> we are suffering more than you. And my wife and I were just like, don't answer that question. Don't ask that question. Cause it was like all these parents just want to like, it's way harder on me. And I'm like, can we just focus on cool. our kids for a yeah, second? Yeah, like, exactly. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You win the internet. Awesome guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah. Good for you. Your medal's in the mail. All right, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's that is our culture. That's that intersectionality coming in again, right? Like, well, I'm a black gay man, so I've experienced more uh, negativity than you have. Therefore, I have more authority in this area than you do. And it's just, as opposed to culture, values, and morality. Where does all this come from? And philosophizing about these things, we just completely pull the ejection handle, and now we just started to subjective authorities of people of just different race, colors, sexualities, experiences, whatever, and there is no real objective line drawn in the sand. And us progressive Christianity has that issue. It's a real problem. I think it's funny, too, that I think intersectionality is its own self-defeating pendulum, right? Because the more that you say, well, you're higher on the intersectionality hierarchy, then the more we can oppress you and 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 override your voice because we were more oppressed therefore <laughs> makes them more oppressed and evens everything out so i'm i'm almost like oh go ahead keep it up well it's, it's you're eventually gonna oppress each other all the way to the point of everyone's on the same equal marxist playing field <laughs> <laughs> hmm. yeah. all right number five i guess yeah then? sure Cool. I haven't read anything yet, so I'll, I'll do some. I'll, I'll embarrass myself. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Find grace in the search for understanding, and believe there is more value in questioning with an open mind and open heart than in absolutes or dogma. Whoa! <laughs> of course, that's the one I get. <laughs> <laughs> Poetry. You know what? Number six. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how, we've addressed this one. Oh, my goodness. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. Well, it's critical theory, right? That's what that is. It's, well, it's, like, it's 50-50 it's two things. 50% of it is, you know, the value is in the journey, not the destination. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, it's like that hippie nonsense. So as long as <laughs> you can't come to a truth, but whatever you're talking about in the middle, that stuff is profound, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the pondering is the wisdom. Yeah. Um, and then and then the other half of it is like anybody who says that they have a solid answer, that's just not even we won't worry about that. Yeah. You know? Um, which is it's almost an oxymoron because it's like, well then what are you even questioning? You're Exactly. Point. It's, 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 like, it's like the Peter Griffin philosopher that, you know, <laughs> why? <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow, that, that was in sync. Did you see that? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're mind melding over there in their meme. <laughs> yeah, they're over there like. Thoughts. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> that and just make it into a meme. <laughs> we would never. The, but the, well, that's exactly that's exactly what went through my mind. I'm like, okay, what are we questioning and what are we searching and believing and trying to understand if we don't if we avoid absolutes or dogma? Because at some point you have to reach a conclusion. Is murder okay or is it not okay? Well, let me just seek my understanding and question it, and with an open mind and heart, and I'm going to avoid absolutes or dogma because I don't I, I got to I don't want to judge murderers. It's like what? How dogmatic like, of yeah. them to say? <laughs> Very dogmatic. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is a paradox because it's just like okay, well now. What are you questioning? Because you won't even consider the dogma. Like you, you, you blatantly avoid it. You know. So like, I, I genuinely want to know like what they are questioning. I would love to ask Deborah that. Like, what's what's the question? Like, what what's the question that you're asking? Because clearly we're avoiding dogma, so we're not questioning that. I mean, well, they can question for, the dogma, but they can't make a dogma. Except these eight points are dogma. Unless these are yeah, part of the yeah, journey right? and they might change. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> what are the rules? I don't know. What are the rules of engagement? Right I'm now, behind these are enemy lines. points. But tomorrow, there'll be nine, and the next day, there might be just two. But it's I the journey that matters. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I, that's the thing. Is, uh, I mean, even when we asked uh, with God is great, we even asked her, like, okay, what is your view then on, what is your view on abortion? Like, you know, just trying to get a, like, okay, I get it, you're pro-choice, but is it one of those things that you are, you personally are pro-life and just, you know, how do you apply that? And she's like, oh, I've made a rule where I just don't say what my, what mine is, what my stance is. I refuse to give that on here. And I was like, so by saying you're pro-choice, and of course, I, I could have hit her with it, but I was like, I'm going to back off. But I was like, because I think the point was very obvious as soon as she pulled this. I was like, I don't really feel like certain times I'll say, I don't need to rub your nose in it. it you, you just made it clear for everybody who was watching. It's like, okay, you say you're pro-choice, but you refuse to say where you personally stand on this, yet you say you're advocating for change. <laughs> that, that's, they're it's all a, contradictory. Yeah, it's, it's an attempt to maintain popularity and relevance. It really, it's, it's marketing to bending the knee. <laughs> it's, I'm going to come back to that. Seamus hates that meat. Progressive because the progressives are going to eat that up and never question it. <laughs> <laughs> That's why, why I say all the time. It's, it's not even really a big circle. It's a small circle. <laughs> yeah, it's it, well, so funny. Is it really is? It's like it's it's so nonsensical. Like I'm already like we're at five points, and all of them's like okay. I agree with searching, we'll find grace and searching for understanding, and believe there is value in questioning things with an open mind and open heart. Yes, yes, absolutely. But as soon as you add in the the qualifier. Of, then absolutes are dogma, then you're like, okay, well, now your, your whole statement has lost any validity. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what their yeah. constant positions do. It's like, okay, yes, 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 yes. How, how'd you do that? Like, it's like you shot an arrow and it was going so well at that bullseye that at the very end, it was like, mm, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the meme with the car veering off the side of the road from the highway. <laughs> you were going the right direction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Nope. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that, yeah, so then point six, I guess, uh, work toward peace and justice among all people and all life on earth. Asterisk, except for absolutes. 
<laughs> yeah, I work towards peace, peace and justice is for uh, justice is an absolute. Man. Again, yeah, these are these are terms that you have to define as absolutes if you're going to make this dogmatic. <laughs> what is shalom? You said peace. Yeah, this is this is this is not binding if we don't actually. You know, strain at what these terms mean. Yeah, like yeah. this makes sense in our worldview. Yes, absolutely. Work toward peace and justice among all people because we have defined terms. Mm -hmm. We know absolutely yeah. what it is. But in your <laughs> worldview, it's just it's murky water. So your justice, you know, for you, justice is you know perhaps burning down a local business because some a guy was unjustly killed across the country. You know, where, uh, but, you know, but maybe not justice for how you would have done it, but that was justice for how he did it. Well, now, again, we're not, it's again. Are you, yeah, are you questioning his truth? <laughs> I absolutely will question his truth. Uh, Nate, uh, your truth does not exist. Change my mind. What does justice mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, too, you know, I was talking to a friend the other day about um, masks in church, and she was talking about how, you know, she was essentially getting ridiculed for not wearing a mask, and she's like, well, I didn't know it was that big of a deal. But, you know, what they're coming back on was really, they're talking about Romans 14 and essentially, you know, showing peace towards everyone, right? And I was like, well, that's that's weird because that's a that's a new line, right? This In December, if you didn't wear a mask to church, no one was like, oh, you're not living in peace with us right now. It's like, no, hold on a second. You guys changed, and now you're applying your new standard on me, and now you're saying I'm not the one that's living in peace with you. Hold on a second. That That is contradictory, well, and you just changed, not me. People use Romans 14 so irresponsibly anyway as a general whole. I, I, they just, they really do. It's just, they, they use it as an excuse for moral subjectivism in Christianity. Um, and, there, and there are certain things that there are, you should not sin against your conscience. There are certain things that it's like, okay, you dis, but they don't, Okay, uh, Paul kind of in certain areas is like, okay, yeah, no one's better than anyone. I both make sense here in their own ways, just respect one another a little bit. Uh, but that was within the framework, and that only makes sense within a framework with absolutes to, to draw from. And then mm -hmm. with those absolutes, you have like absolutes kind of build a, a very narrow, let me just, okay, let me rephrase this. When there's no absolutes, it's this big, broad, open, go whatever direction you want to go. But when you bring in an absolute, it really narrows that down. And then I can navigate within this absolute. You know, I have, and Paul's basically going, you can navigate a little bit in here. But there's still an absolute. And, you know, I feel Christians do this all the time. They use that as a way to bring their, their push their own opinions on others and their and subjectivism. Yes. They use Romans 14 for it all the time. Kills me. And I can't help but point out once again that they're saying work towards peace, but in point four they still said bravely to confront. The confront is not a peaceful term. So that, it's like, did you read what you wrote two points ago? Anyways, it's just everything's contradictory. You can just spend all night to point out the contradictions. There is a peaceful conversation, of course, but we we'll, know they don't mean that. We'll get them well, to accept peace by force. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to... Yeah. What if, go ahead. No, you. Oh, just the, you know, welcome to postmodernism where what uh, words don't matter and how's that meme go? And definitions oh. are made up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <exactly. laughs> oh, yeah, or definitions are made up and words don't matter. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. All right, number oh. seven. So sad. Pr protect and restore the integrity of our earth and all of creation. Okay. Global warming? I mean, 
Yeah, sure. yeah, that environmentalism. It's, yeah, you know, if you don't include it, then um, you would get you would get mob mobbed into including that. So yeah. I can see that. I mean, because, I'm all for you know, it. How how do you say that you serve God when <laughs> when you know you don't love the earth? It's one of those things. Where like, so for like, I guess more the fundamental fundamentalists or traditionalists like like ourselves, we we already think in a mindset where like, well that. That just comes with the territory. If you're a Bible believing, you know, in, in believing in absolute truth and in the truth of Scripture, then being a good steward of the earth and of all of creation just comes with that. So you don't have to say that. It's there. It's kind of a pre-assumed truth for us, uh, but it has to be expressed here because there are no pre-assumed truths or absolutes. <laughs> and, because that would be dogmatic. Because because we do care about nature and the environment, that's why we hunt and are not vegans. <laughs> well, and, that, and that's the thing. It's like you know, I completely agree. Yeah, we ought to be good stewards of the earth. I mean, we ought not to be abusive to this wonderful creation God made. Uh, we can do, of course, we can do violence to it, right? But at the same time, like you know. And I, I know as someone's like, oh, this is Will, this is presumptuous of you, but get out of here with that. You know exactly what they mean by this. You know, there's, it's not just being a good steward of the earth. It is environmentalism. It is a worship of the environment and so many things that go along with that in our, in our society. Yeah, no, no, I'm good. Um, but so I agree with it morally, but I disagree with their definition of what they would mean by that. <laughs> yeah. Oh. We understand what they mean by putting that there. And so... Yeah. yeah. Why don't you guys yeah, take us whole, home? That whole idea that man is the cancer on the earth. Uh, yeah, that's what they mean by that. All right, yeah, so uh, number eight, bringing her in. Yeah. Uh, let's read it together like we're in a church. I'm kidding, don't do that. <laughs> don't, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> the Skype delay would mess us all up. <laughs> uh, commit to a path of lifelong learning, compassion, and selfless love on this journey toward a personally authentic and meaningful faith. Wow, is a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Personally authentic. Pride. So, yeah, it only. <laughs> what, is it, what, is it, what does that mean to you, Bradley? <laughs> tell, tell me your truth, and I'll tell you mine if it's not offensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. This video is going to get flagged by YouTube. Lifelong learning. You know what? I am all for it. Um, that's, that's part of, part of why we do what we do. Half the time we're learning while we're in the process of making the videos that we make. Um, cause we kind of just randomly pick a topic and we're like, yeah, let's, let's do one on that. And so like, you know, even though we already know a little bit about it, it's, it brings us a reason to go and see what, you know, Ramban or Rashi or one of the Talmudic tractates say about this subject. And it's like, oh, well, wow. Yeah, never considered that before. It's really cool. And so it forces us to do research, obviously. Um, but that's part of the learning process, the journey. Yeah. Um, uh, so, you know, I'm down with that. But when, when your lifelong learning is to the purpose of of limiting it's your self research to yeah, it's self love. This is self. This is the idolatry of the self right here. Um, now, what they're saying, if you were to have that sentence, you were to pull it completely out and put it in our context. Yeah, I agree with it. Um, but in this context, it's idolatry of the self because um, that's what they're focused on here. Well, it's that yeah. self love, self acceptance. You know, the, like even the fat acceptance movements and all that. It's just like, oh, it doesn't matter what you are. 
just love yourself. And it's like, no, what I need to do is every day look in the mirror. Yeah, I'm to love my neighbor as myself. Jesus did include that in there for a, per for a reason. You know, I shouldn't loathe myself. Um, but at the <laughs> same time, like, okay, no, but I do need to acknowledge to some degree the fact that, like, I am not the end-all be-all. And I can't sit there and just worship myself and just say, will is perfect. No, every day I need to look at myself and be like, all right, I need to, no, I need improvement. I need, I need to better myself. That's why every day we ought to be, you know, Paul talks all the time about, hey, reflecting Christ in so many ways. Like, hey, follow in the steps of Christ because you're going, that's self-improvement. That's growth. And uh, I don't know, like, yes, I agree. We ought to, there's a certain point of self-love that's important because you have to be a good steward. Um, it is important to note that self-love is important, but it's second on the list. Love boom. God. Boom. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, I think really in a lot of ways, <laughs> in a lot of ways, most believers who actually do take to heart their faith and, and do read their Bibles on a regular basis, they, they, they apply most of these in the way that we would all agree that they should be applied. Um, you know, that that is that is how we learn. That's part of learning. Uh, an instance I can think of is is my wife had watched a video where some some woman uh, claiming to to be presenting the Jewish view of abortion. Uh, oh, this video cited <laughs> cited one isolated part of the Talmud where one rabbi argues that the fetus is nothing more than water in the womb until it's like three months. And so, yeah. you know, it's, it's nothing at that point. And first of all, it's a misrepresentation of what the Talmud is. It's case law. So yeah, it's, it's if that rabbi said that, the one thing I know is somebody argued with him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, two Jews, there were three opinions. And, and so that was, when that got brought to the table, he and I instantly went, okay, no, I know that's wrong. Yeah. So let's go see what Ramban says about it. And his, because really for his time, he kind of was the end-all be-all of like, you know, this is what Jew, Jews believe about this. Uh, and oddly enough, his, we, sum, we summarized his stance on it as not her body, not her choice. Um, yeah, well, so his, his take on it is actually um, profound in, in its own right. Um, but it was more or less the idea is even though the woman is carrying the child, the child doesn't belong to her. It belongs to the husband. The seed is the father's. And so the woman is not allowed to lay claim to that child in any way, legally speaking. Only the husband can come forth and lay any kind of legal claims for the child, uh, like in the case of a miscarriage or, or something like that. Uh, and so in his stance, it isn't her body. And so it, is, it actually does depend entirely upon the father. Where Biblically, where he derives that from is the instance of where, you know, two men are fighting and there's a pregnant woman nearby and oh, say yeah. some, mm -hmm. you know, something has something yeah. happens to the child and the reason he derived that is because the torah says that the father is the one who will who will you know Bring press charges yeah. basically yep. not 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 the mother the father and yeah. therefore his case yeah well it goes into the whole again the male is the, the man is the leader of his respective household and right. also scientifically we also know scientifically it's not her body right like it's got yeah. different yeah. dna like different blood type yeah. although like scientifically we know this isn't your body either so it all reflects the same thing uh, yeah. it's it, no and uh, yeah the when it comes it, and i find the funny so we're with progressive christians um uh god is great did another video on this i keep refer, referring to them because again but she was like my first 
exposure to it full heartedly, like the teachings of it. And I was like, this is so nonsensical and circular. I'm losing my mind. I, I can hardly keep up because my brain is going, my brain's going error, error. <laughs> um, so, but uh, the, when it came to, uh, um, oh crud, what was, I oh, mean, it was there and now it's gone. Um, no sleep. This is what happens. So when, when it came, oh yeah, have you noticed? Yeah, that's what I did. When it comes to, when we're looking into like ancient Jews, uh, ancient Christianity, we look at like all, we're always, isn't it funny how progressive Christianity literally is in juxtaposition to all of it? Like all the teachings over thousands of years, we're talking like, you know, we're talking eons here. We're talking thousands of years of teachings. Uh, and then you suddenly come in in your 21st century postmodern brain with a neo-Marxist influence and go, oh, they had it all wrong. Yeah. I got it new. Uh, I got it figured out now. And it's like one, how incredibly arrogant is that and yeah. prideful, but also like, seriously, you're going to, that, that much is, and it's like, you know, they're all using the same text. They've all used the same text. And there's a reason why you, they all agree. We like that. We call it Judeo Christian morals for a reason, because of the, a lot of the morality is the same or very similar to one another. And, and I, I just find so much arrogance in that where it's like, okay, you're seriously going to throw out eons of this thinking that you suddenly got to figure it out. And, uh, Ali B. Stucky was like, so does this mean we're supposed to just move on then? Like, move forward? And then uh, Brando was like, yes. And that's exactly what we mean. Like, move forward from what? What is, what is the goalpost? Like, the whole, the, the goalpost of the traditional view is always were pointed toward God and pursuing him in his ways. But now you went, no, no, I want to pursue something else over here. And all that, toss it out the window. Because the destination does not matter. It is the journey. Yeah. Gotta change. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they don't well. They don't believe that the Bible is authoritative. Um, yeah. In in one article I read from a uh, what's her name, Dejna Sharon Shine. That's a okay. Heck yeah, heck of a name there. <laughs> um, and she is she is a a, a progressive Christian minister. Uh, and in in this article, I've got several quotations from it, but but the one that really stood out first is. Uh, as always, these biblical stories need to be seen as narratives, not historical fact. Oh, that's so crazy, because in my notes I wrote, facts are replaced with narratives in post <laughs> 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 That's so crazy. And, <laughs> Whoa. Later on, the, arg the argument built on that is basically that, well... Because the Bible was written by men, <clears throat> and none of them are first-hand accounts, so we don't really know that that's what Jesus said. So, But they're very certain that he said, judge not, and also that God is love. <laughs> Those are the only two true statements in all of the Bible, apparently. Yeah, not, not, and of course, <laughs> I, I always have found that so funny, too, when people try to sit there and say things like the Bible's not authoritative, there's no first-hand accounts, when it's like historians have reviewed, like... Over and over again, like there has been hardcore atheists who went into studying Luke and Acts alone and came out going, there's no way that this is actually false. There's no way. Like it's too, it's too true. There's too many truths in it. It's too, it would be too easily debunked in its day. There is so many like details that only firsthand people would know. It's like, yeah, yeah, this, this whole idea, and also the whole idea is written by men, so therefore it's not true. Um, I, then my next question is, that how do you know any history is true? And how dare you assume their gender? How dare you assume their gender? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you Whoa, know, the it, patriarchy. Yeah. It's, it's one of those actually where a lot of people don't don't really understand that you know it's it's easier to prove that Jesus existed than it is to prove that Shakespeare existed. That's a, that's a fact. There's almost no evidence Emphatic. that Shakespeare actually existed. Yeah, besides his plays. Uh, as a historian, I can't Which can we confirm. can't confirm he wrote. Exactly. <laughs> not, we consider Shakespeare's works to be beautiful and, like, near perfect. Not a single original copy of any of his works exist. And the only, <laughs> the only existing original autograph suggests that he was illiterate. Because <clears throat> it's basically chicken scratch. Um, it's a doctor. Yeah, no, later on, you know, furthermore, basically, they, they allude, she alludes in, in this article to the idea that uh, the gospel narratives were contorted to fit the Old Testament and, uh, you know, uh, Midrashic narratives so that the person of Jesus would fit this model that Jews had made up uh, in the Old Testament. It's very Marcion type heresy. <laughs> This this hurts my this hurts my brain. Like how it, it, it takes so much more like gymnastics to reach some of these weird conclusions and to simply take it as like as treating it like the rest of the historical documents that you would treat. Well, like, it's, it's all it's to insane. The, think about the goal because the the purpose of it really is to discredit the authority of the Bible so yeah. that you can <clears throat> slap people with neo Marxism mm-hmm. and say that that's true Christianity. Uh, actually, uh, uh, you guys, are, I'm sure you're familiar, or at least I've heard the name Dr. William Lane Craig. Are you guys familiar? I've heard the name. Yep. I'm not super okay, familiar. Okay, probably though. one of the great, he's a Christian philosopher, one of the best Christian apologists of today. Uh, and I just got was reading his book, and he was talking about how, uh, and talking about that, and how, like, historically speaking, how we verify these these issues, and how so, how, and he mentioned the fact that, yes, what essentially is happening is that people, every single year, you have a new publication coming out going, ooh, the side of Jesus, no one ever knew. And it's like, they're always trying to bring on a new spin, something new and edgy to the scene. And it is like, and it's like, it's funny, if you actually would look into this, they have nothing. There is literally no groundings. It's one thing out of context from one person, not the general overall scope of all of it, not what all the other people have confirmed. Nope, just one isolated opinion from someone maybe even 300 years after something like Jesus, like the the death or, or resurrection. Um, is oh but, oh, but this is the, something new we found out. And Jesus preferred iPhones. Jesus, Jesus preferred iPhones. <laughs> 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 Not paid for it all by Apple. Uh, okay, um, but then the, uh, so stupid. Um, <laughs> You're making a good point. I'm just getting to rail it with. I know. I'm over here like, what are you doing? Uh, but I mean, that's that's the thing. It's a. Uh, it's, it's actually even easier to prove Jesus and most biblical accounts than it is even to prove Alexander the Great. I think the earliest source we have of Alexander the Great is like 200 years after his death. It might even be longer than that. I, uh, two to three hundred years, I want to say. And it's like. And then, but yeah, we don't question anything that they say about Alexander the Great, but we sure as heck question anything it says about God, and that's because walk is how Alexander the Great walked. Well, yeah, gonna, wow, punch you. A, a lot of it, <laughs> not for nothing, but the devil obviously will only take into account things that he considers a threat to him, and so yep, is uh, this is him working to make sure that the threat is dealt with. I'm gonna say, yeah, the the final quote that I've got from this thing is. Uh, it, it really, it's her dissertation on the Gospel of Luke because it's the most inclusive gospel, see? So it's, it's important mm. to understand that from a not-biblical perspective. Um, 
But, it, you know, she said, as the gospel accounts were based on data transmitted by those who were eyewitnesses, uh, we're dealing with third-hand information at best. And so we've got the argument of, you know, uh, the telephone game is basically uh, what's being built up there. The, the, the fact that oral transmission is not an accurate form of transmission. And uh, the note that I've got here actually references another video. I think I've sent you this video, actually, uh, by Rabbi Lawrence Kellerman. It's called the... Uh, it's called A Rational Approach to the... the divine Origins of the Oral. Tradition. Yeah, the Divine yeah. Origins of the Oral Tradition. Yep. And he, in that video, he explains, uh, in several other points, but he, he describes a, an experiment that he did with uh, youth groups, Jewish youth groups, two of them, um, where he actually proved the legitimate accuracy that you can have with oral transmission given the right motivation. Hmm. You know, because that's that's the thing. The telephone game, the when it's designed people, to fail. Yeah, <laughs> it's designed to fail, and and people never think when when pertaining to the Bible, they never think in terms of motivation. Like the telephone game has no motivation at all. Uh, whereas when we're talking about the transmission of the Bible, we're I, there's all the motivation because your eternal soul depends on this. <laughs> you know. Well then, uh, uh, sorry. Go ahead. You're. you're Keep no, going. no, you go ahead. I was oh, done. Well, and just, oh, okay. And just, well, just to that point, when you're talking about uh, oral transmission, it's like, well, we have, well, Mark is the earliest gospel written, right? Let's just take Mark as an example. Mark is the earliest gospel written. And it's amazing how we have thousands of these manuscripts and they all reflect each other and they're all synoptic. They're all written at different locations by different authors. And it's like, okay, awfully weird how they're so similar to each other. And then we found the Dead Sea Scrolls and, you know, people kept using the telephone game. The Dead Sea Scrolls showed up and like, dang, there goes our telephone game. These are even older than all of them. And look, they're just as accurate. It's Crud. the same. <laughs> it's the same. Yeah. And they forget the fact that especially Jews, and that's the thing, Jesus was a Torah following Jew. Uh, you know, Peter was Jewish. Uh, you know, Paul was Jewish. Weird, right? Um, and it's like they these people have most likely, especially Paul and Christ had probably the entire Torah or chunks of the entire Torah memorized. And it's like, and you're telling me that and they could just recite it, by the way. I remember I was at Bible college and one guy for a sermon in chapel, uh, he re, all he did was recite the book of Philippians from memory. And I was wowed. <laughs> I was sitting there like following like, this is crazy. Then when I realized that, like, oh no, by the way, Jews, like they would they'd memorize the entire Torah. I'm like, not just a small letter by Paul, but five historical giant books with 30 plus chapters. Are you kidding me? Like, and the people just don't consider the fact that it's like you they really is highly they don't understand the fact that of what like Jewish people were. They this was like their life and breath. This was what they all day, every day was like I said, you get three Jews, you get three different opinions, but they aren't like just uh, they weren't just whatever opinions they just they weren't they, they weren't uneducated yeah they had a yeah. control system you know in order in order to go on and, and teach the torah you had to basically recite it back to the rabbi who taught it to you and if he didn't have confidence that you got it right word for word the way that he taught it to you you didn't get his permission to go and teach it and exactly and so uh again when people progressive christianity when they're when they're trying to throw shade at the biblical inerrancy, the, the the motive behind the Bible, they have no idea. And it's, it's like you're completely twisting and perverting history on 
every level. It's actually, it's very frustrating because it's like, well, and I can't tell you many conversations I've had with people, and that idea of the telephone game is very, very prominent today in our in our modern society. And it's like, uh, and I've had so many people like, well, I didn't realize that once I studied it how, how airtight this was. I'm like, yeah. I know. Once you actually see, there's a lot of <laughs> rhetoric around it, but once you look into it, you go, oh, oh, man, I, I was so wrong. Because I know when I was having my doubts, that's what I did. I went straight to, okay, let's see how these texts came about. And I walked out going, well, I'm convinced. <laughs> <laughs> that's what me. Uh, we talked about that during uh, my little interview, uh, how mm -hmm. I, I came at it trying to disprove it. And I walked out of it going, well, you can't. You just cannot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very, very well transmitted. Very, very accurate. Uh, probably one of the, uh, in history, historically speaking, it's the only book of its kind. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually. Yeah. Uh, even Jordan Peterson actually uh explained that the Bible is really the first hyperlinked hyper book <laughs> uh, or hyperlinked text that, that existed in humanity. It. True, though. Where's the lie? Yeah, you, you, yeah. you can't. So. Mean, what, what other book has that many references to, to other its, references to itself? Yeah. You know? yeah. And it's like, and of course, that's another thing people don't understand with the Bible. It is literally multiple books by different authors. Like, and that, that's the thing. They, everyone goes, well, yo, the book, because you believe the books is what it says it is. Of course the book says it is what it is. I'm like, yeah, but these are books with it. It's just a compilation that we just put it in one big book yeah. and that's all it is. It's, they, but they all connected referencing and confirming each other. Like, yeah, it says you won't find anything like it in history. Yeah. So, but I don't know. I guess in short, we've been chatting a while. Um, I don't know. We should probably wrap it up here soon. Uh, <laughs> we get along too Time's well. But, uh, but seriously, but when it comes, so, all right. Quick takeaways, hot takes on progressive Christianity, and we should probably wrap up. Well, I think my po yeah. my points would it's it's obviously self contradictory, and again, I think you can't claim to have the truth if it's contradiction. So um, I apply everything in its own measure. Um, if you're making a statement, does it does your claim hold up to the claim that you just made? And if not, then you're probably on shaky ground. You probably got to rethink your position. Okay, I'll go. We didn't, but we didn't pick up. We didn't pick. Yeah, I was, uh, I was like, well, maybe this, the church split team, and then the alternate media team. There we go. Um, but uh, when it comes to progressive Christianity, it, uh, it, I think it's circular logic. I think it is completely uh, self-defeating in every way, shape, and form. To say there is no truth is by and of self uh, a truth. And I think honestly, anyone who buys into this is either genuinely trying to deceive their own selves and therefore becoming heretics or are on date or are being deceived by somebody else and running down uh, to the past right to hell essentially on this. And, um, and that's because you cannot, you can't sit there and claim faith in God when you deny every tenant that he stands for. Uh, it is no longer God you believe in. You believe in fl fluffy feelings. Just going to say it. So, <laughs> um, All right, I'll go. Um, I, I'm, I'm of the opinion that um, without, without presenting a solution at the end of the day, uh, then this is more for nothing. And so um, for, for any of the listeners that may be of progressive leanings and wondering, well, what, what, what would be the next step for myself? Um, uh, I have this book here. Uh, it's written by... Randolph Richards and Brandon J. O'Brien. It's called Misreading Scripture with Western Eyes. Ooh. And uh, he's Ooh, I a, he's good. a I think he's a I think he's a Baptist pastor, but he, he does missionary work and um, 
he was not aware that he was misreading scripture with a Western mindset until he did missionary work in Indonesia. And this book is his recounting of him learning about the huge differences in the postmodern mindset versus the actual like ancient Eastern mindset um, and how little things will change into huge misinterpretations uh, as you as you go down uh, the logical path. Um, and so it's a good book to start with. It'll it'll at the very least show you how to identify when you're doing that, when you're making that mistake. Um, so it's a great starting place, a great book, highly recommend it. And that's what I would say, you know, with this with this progressive uh, Christianity thing, um, if you feel like you're starting to lean in that direction, um, I would def- highly recommend this book as a good starting place. I'm going to pick that book up. Just what I need another one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I guess for me, my takeaway really is um, the, the, the elements of Eastern mysticism that exist in progressive Christianity are, are probably what stood out to me the most. And the noteworthy part about that is the, a guilty pleasure of mine is studying uh, occult history and, you know, uh, satanic, uh, satanic <laughs> beliefs and rituals and whatnot. That's a guilt, guilty pleasure of mine. Um, and, you know, in Revelation, we, we hear about the whore church of Babylon, uh, you know, making a rise. And that's, that's more or less what this is. This is, this is a, a, a degradation of, of Christian values into what I, I think this, this church being referenced is going to be, because that's, that's really all it is. The, the ancient Babylonian cults didn't really die. Uh, they just became other forms of uh, mystic belief and um, it's been popularized by uh, such people as uh, Alice A. Bailey um, who's the uh, Freemasonic handbook guy Albert Pike uh, you know such, such things as, as this and so it's it's prophetic uh, I think and I don't want to say that I, I think it'll be hard to talk anybody out of it but um I, I don't, I don't see that being uh, a path of reason. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I guess when you think about the parallel to the horror Babylon Church, yeah, you're at, you're woof, woof, woof might be doing some big reading today. Big, <laughs> yeah, big oof, yeah, no, that's that's dead on. I yeah, because I mean that's the whole the whole thing, the sex positivity of we're gonna, it's okay to do whatever you want, you know, there's no consequences of sex. God loves sex, and yeah, he does within the context of you know that he created it to be in, um, not just to be ho humming, putting your place things in where it doesn't belong and people that it doesn't belong in. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, that attitude is, is traditionally Judaically why God flooded the earth. <laughs> yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, also the whole Sodom and Gomorrah situation. There's a lot we could peel back on a lot of these things, but <laughs> we, I don't think we have time, but we're going to do this nope. again. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely do this again. Exactly. Uh, I was actually, you know, I've told them before and I've told you, I'm like, I just really want our channels to grow together. Cause I feel like there's a camaraderie here and our like-mindedness and may, and it's funny cause you know, I'm not Judaic in my faith necessarily the same as, you know, as the same way you guys are. But at the same time, it just goes to show, look, we can have conversations and we can agree on all these different areas. And we might have some disagreements. And, you know, it might be fun to have some conversations sometime on areas that 
I would have questions on and vice versa. I think it'd be kind of fun, I, I honestly. Yeah, and I think yeah, it would let's do it. Yeah, I, absolutely. So, but yeah, guys, essentially, progressive Christianity, Christianity is bunk, and don't fall into it's it. Not, you're gonna. It's not Christianity. Yeah, it's just exactly. Not. <laughs> <sighs> well, so well, thank you all, if, everyone who hung out here. Uh, I know your videos tend to be long. My videos tend to be long, so I think our audience, our respective audiences, just expect it, which is good. Uh, so anyway, thank you guys for for being here. My name is Will. This is Brian. I'm Brad. I'm Seamus. And this has been our awesome collaboration between Alternate Media and The Church Split. So take care, everybody. Shalomi, my homies. Shalomi, <laughs> Shalomi my homies. <laughs>